0: life hey everybody welcome to the growing with fishes podcast episode 175 um, this week we have breeder steve what hey hi there he uh, is the first person to write about aquaponic cannabis growing and uh, creator of many different wonderful strains, including the first strain that I ever got featured in a publication, uh, which was in, in back in high times in their first article on aquaponic cannabis they did on us, which was Island Sweet Skunk, which was, man, such a such a wonderful strain. So it'd be really awesome to, to have you back on the show and talk
1: with you. Yeah, thanks, man. It's nice to be back. Very kind.
0: And we also have uh, Mr. Green Jeans hey everybody also i'm a huge fan of island sweet skunk and your work for reader steve humongous yep. fan you're easily one of our biggest most important guests we've had on the podcast
1: oh that's too much man you guys are kind <laughs> the, the island the sweet skunk is actually one downstream from the original sweet skunk and that was from uh Another seed company, I, can, I can't remember. It was either Federation or Next Federation. Federation. Yeah, that's yeah right. Federation. That's right. But I that's think a lot that, of the guys. clone that went around as as it was, was the family. original mom that I gave those guys earlier on. When I met them, they were growing some garbage and they were working at a grocery store and I came and brought them a good cutting of everything and Six months later, they've got a seed company, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, that's sometimes the way it goes, right? But the, uh, that's whatever. The uh, island sweet a, skunk I would... is not exactly the same as the sweet skunk, but the cutting uh-huh. is often used interchangeably i think so uh,
0: i have a really n- nice male that i use that's 25 percent island sweet scum he's got got a lot more than 25 percent of my favorite traits i wish i had i wish i had been able to to breed directly to your original sweet scum well still around it's still around, it's still around. yeah <laughs> awesome that's great news uh, we also have oh Ron- and thank you for Clearing up the story uh, uh, yeah, no about worries, that, worries. and all that. <laughs> we also have uh, Roger from ILGM.
2: How y'all doing this week? Yeah, and by, I've never smoked Island Sweet Skunk, but I've heard so much about it. It's kind of like what a, a Congo was just sharing with you guys a minute ago. Yeah, I would really like to try some myself. Yep, for sure.
1: Try them side by side. I had recently a friend brought me diamonds and sauce of both. And I had them in a couple of small jars, and whenever people came over, I would always be like, check these two jars. I wouldn't say which is which, and I'd be like, check these two jars and tell me which one you like better. And like 10 out of 10 people preferred the sweet skunk to the Congo. But I'd always show them the Congo first because they'd be like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And then as soon as they check the sweet skunk, they're like, okay, but what's this? This is really, (laughs) they would just totally just next level it. You know, it's just really, it was a lucky find that particular one for sure.
0: That sweet skunk has such a caramelly sweet flavor to it on the, on the back end. It has just like this, there's almost like nougat-y taste to it on the back end.
1: It's it's so good. It's a fun one, you know. It's got so many aromas that leaves the most amazing smell in the air. That's right. No, whether it's fresh or burning, it smells great. People, it always stands <laughs> out in a world smell. of Kush, right? In a world of Kush and cookies, when you light up one of those, everybody's like, "What the hell is that?" You know?
0: Absolutely. Uh, so what, uh... the
1: style That's neat. that's the coolest thing to see is when you've made crosses and made selections out of it and that one, I never even tried to breed it true. It was uh, when I'd crossed an NL haze with a grapefruit in ninety five, I had I grew out five hundred of the f one seeds and four hundred and ninety eight of them looked like northern lights and two of them looked more haze like and there was, of the two i liked one just a little bit better than the other and then that cutting i just shared with people and just said you know what if you enjoy smoking as much as i do grow it and just i'll give you six cuttings and just promise me everybody that you meet that likes it you'll give them six cuttings and let's get it out there you know so now i get it back from people all the time a friend literally gave me an ounce of diamonds and sauce of it about a month ago and i probably smoked a gram a day so it's almost gone but <laughs> it was delicious but not smoked it but dabbed it you know it was so so tasty it's actually what i've got sitting in front of me right now too And it just it's such an intense aroma that's all its own you know it's really special and uh, it was a recessive plant and i wasn't worried about making seed of it i said let's just get this clone out there because it's so special and you can grow it 11 weeks you can grow it 14 weeks it's really up to you but you can do it in spears see so your green with no branches and you just have cricket bat after cricket bat <laughs> they're just beautiful they're so easy to go that way and even though you may let it go 12 weeks it still yields twice what two eight week one woods you know or what an eight week one would So I really, it was always special, you know, and that plant goes back a long ways. So to think that it's still around and still appreciated just warms, warms my heart, for sure.
0: Awesome. So, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, it's been, uh, I guess about a year or so, uh, since we had you on last, I think last time we were still down in Columbia and, uh, uh, there was quite a bit of time zone difference the uh, last time. That's uh,
1: right. No, I do recall chatting with you guys, and I was sitting outside, and the crickets were being loud. <laughs> yeah. So, was... uh,
0: so what have you been up to? Uh, I'm sure you've gotten uh, a lot of uh, a lot of growing done since then, and uh, got a chance to to play with a lot of stuff. What have you been up to?
1: Well, we're just working through everything we get our hands on, and but production has just got underway and we're filling up the first title which will be in total we have 889 hectares there and there's maybe 800 and something plantable not quite the full amount but most of it there's over 800 plantable and uh, that's a lot of hectares at two and a half acres per hectare right so just getting that first property filled up is the priority right now and then we're starting a second one up towards near santa marta um in a really nice region really ground zero for where the best santa marta gold came from and i've v- visited and looked through that area for the last three plus years and we've got the best sites identified there i'm certain so i'm pretty excited to get that to be restoring original santa Marta gold going through all the versions of it that are left out there and some of them are truer than others because i really remember what the original one was like i was lucky enough to get a chance to grow it towards the end of when it used to be around and it was i made tropical treat one and two with it crossing it down with sweet tooth and shishkaberry. And then I, no, with uh, Dutch treat and that NL haze was tropical treat one and two. And then I made Tropicana one and two, crossing those lines with shishka berry and sweet tooth. And, uh, but of course that diluted it dramatically. And, and the, because when I first grew it out, it was 16 weeks flowering and pencil thin buds. And I wouldn't share them with my best friends. They were just like cherry pie. They were just absolutely phenomenal. And they stayed in a jar in my bedside table when I smoked them by myself. <laughs> you know, they were so good, but the, but I'd never seen it quite the same again. And when I had it even crossed down as the tropical treats growing out in a selection crop in Switzerland, I remember when uh, Sam the Skunk Man came by and he he had he walked into the selection room, and there was lots and lots of different nice things there but he immediately pointed to the back and said you've got Colombian gold Then he just beelined for it he's like i haven't seen this in ages and i said actually that's crossed down once you know and he was like oh really do you still have the pure ones and i said no i thought nobody would want something that was 16 weeks but it was so special it had to get added to something you know and then I kick myself for not keeping pure lines of that because that was really the nicest version of Colombian gold I ever had my hands on. But since then I found some pretty close and I think with a few more generations in situ, we'll have no trouble restoring it to its original glory, if not better, you know. And it's the only way to do it is really where it came from and where it developed so it's to me that's like bringing pinot noir back to burgundy or something if you can do it if you can really get the true character back if they'd rip if they'd ripped out all the vines in burgundy and you had to grow pinot noir from seed to find the old cuttings you know that would be the equivalent you know so it's really that's a fun project i'm excited about and then we're uh, pushing forward with some licenses in peru and mexico hopefully ecuador and We've got the process started in Portugal and Spain. So there's a great crew I've got working on the admin and all that. And uh, I love doing design briefs and of what the project's going to look like as far as the logistics of the propagation, what what the goals are of the breeding program right, for the production that we want to do from there, and uh, also designing novel Extraction, you know, so having fun with it on a soil to oil scale, right? And to be able to do it at scale to try and make it the most affordable you can is important. And we've got to green this planet up one way or the other. And I'd rather see it covered in sweet skunk or something, you know. So it would be uh, just an ongoing dream to do it, you know, when I mean, you're Get, you know they say when you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life and you guys know exactly what i'm talking about
0: yep yeah we were talking about that earlier today on the phone for we were talking for i don't know 30 minutes or so today it was really nice and refreshing to talk to somebody else doing doing similar kind of things and just some of the different stuff that you've been running into is similar to what we've been running into or you had already run into it there and it was just kind of funny you know, well, the
1: regs are the hard part, as you guys know, So, any in any jurisdiction, and this is where it's the most frustrating for me, because when I went to Switzerland originally, it was legal like tomatoes, so you didn't need a license, there was no THC limit, there was a guidance on that hemp should be under 0.3 or whatever, but it wasn't... A, Um, a law that it had to be you could grow they and they straight up said we don't make any plants illegal because swiss botanicals are such a big thing we want the opportunity for everybody to explore any plant they want as long as they're not selling it as a narcotic it's not a problem you know so there's no hash bars like amsterdam but there was fields of you know white rhino growing beside the train tracks for 10 minutes while you're on the train You know it was pretty funny it was wide open production but consumption was behind closed doors so it was but it was if you went to a mainstream supermarket where they sold the dusty millers and tomatoes and peppers and everything they had trays of every kind of cannabis on the market at the time whether it was hemp or you know our favorite and It had the little plant tags with a photo on it and it said, finishes mid October, plant in full sun, good drainage, water regularly, you know, just like you were buying a tomato flat, you know? It was just so normal and nobody gave a shit. So it was so refreshing. And so it got there and you're just sort of like, oh my God, I stepped into this alternate reality, which is the way it's supposed to be. And of course, that didn't last, but it was good for a while. And it was, but it was so good to see it work that it just was a non-issue really. And it was the Swiss way of thumbing their nose at the neighbors too, where cannabis was highly illegal and very expensive because they would all let their, you know, university kids would all go out to grandpa's farm and plant a few hectares and they'd, uh, you know, sell it to their friends from neighboring countries, right, who would come and get it and take the risk of taking it away. So they, they know the Swiss are all about importing money. You know, they hold a third of the world's money because, it's you know, anybody can bring any amount of money there. It's not a question. There's not, it's not a, you don't have to tick a box when you land. You can fly a private plane in loaded with bullion. You're good to go. And they know they just accept people showing up with money so the swiss let the people grow weed but they said hey we're not amsterdam there's no hash bars you can't sell joints so they could sell weed and they could sell bongs but they couldn't pack a bong and sell a hit you know <laughs> so what <laughs> right so it was really just the wild west there for for a while and uh, to think it was like well eventually it'll be like this everywhere and you know the trafficking aspect of it for smuggling of that will die off because it'll be like this everywhere and it'll just be a non-issue because here the people just don't care they're all really introverted and they just think about their own lives and if if they don't use cannabis well they don't really care if you do because they don't care what you do (laughs) you know they just care what they're doing that's a great way to be so it's quite amusing to see though and of course i know when it came in canada i was like i'm sure it's not going to start out like that and of course it's heavily regulated here and in most places it's regulated to the point it kind of sucks the life out of it for a lot of people i think you know
0: i know but- uh I've, I've thoroughly given up but on on california um you know you could you couldn't pay me enough money to go do a project in california
1: Period. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the regs there, but I've heard a lot of people grumbling about it.
0: Oh yeah, well, so they they they, they you can't have backup generators for your entire facility, only for life support systems. In, you know, for for the uh, aquaponics would be about as far as we can get for that. Um, and then uh, they shut the power off all the time. You have all these fires and everything else and and then they they harass you and they have ever-changing laws they're seeing there's a whole new article i was just reading about how they're they're uh if people are filing in um uh standard instead of metric they're not renewing their licenses as far as reporting (laughs) and like all kinds of just completely asinine um you know not at all legitimate um you know excuses for taking people's licenses um and uh you know we had a a wink and a nod uh and uh hey you should you know apply for a license because we'll give you one uh you know hush hush um allegedly from from a city council out there and and then they turn around and and change their mind on the day of the vote because half the catholic church and the half the catholics in the entire bay showed up to the meeting on the day of the vote you know and all kinds of other you, you there is no sanity to the the market out there so
1: no it's you just, know what it is uh i think what appealed you know everybody that was into integral well i can't say everybody you can't generalize anyway but a lot of people that were into growing pot over the years were counterculture people that like not to be attached to the system too much you know and it's a bit of a painful transition because it's amplified in the legalization paradigm you know like it's it's worse than just opening, you know, a car repair shop or something, right? The licensing and all that, whatever other business you could think of. There's not too many that come close to the hassles of uh, running a cannabis business in this day and age. And not, the, not to mention, when,
0: like if you're com- if you're not compliant, it's not a small deal. Like you 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 well, go to jail or they raid your place. That's right.
1: No, but you and when it really could, it, they really should have modeled it like wineries if they had to do anything with it like obviously it's not as harmful as alcohol but if they had to do anything with it at least don't make it more punitive than wineries you know and wineries have a lot of reporting requirements and the grapes to wine and all that and you're manufacturing alcohol they want to know how much you're making and where it's going and, and track it in that fashion but that all exists you know and it's not reinventing the wheel they don't have to view this as like a uranium-like substance. It's really benign like echinacea, we have another cannabinoid-bearing plant, right? So you think if they regulated it no more than echinacea, you know, it's like you're organic or you're not. <laughs> After that, nobody gives a fuck how many you plant, how many acres you plant. If you want to breed it, you know, you could be a hobby breeder of echinacea. You can't possibly be a hobby breeder with the regs in Canada or most places. I mean, Canada in most provinces, but not all, allows four plants without a license. And that's just new. And uh, in Colombia, they've had 20 plant allowance for a lot longer, but still 20 plants, you're not a breed, you can't do hobby breeding. I see no reason why, if I wanna plant 100,000 seeds and narrow it down to my favorite three, anybody should care like it just pains me that they treat it like a hazardous material when really it's just a beautiful flower and they can i really <laughs> strongly feel that anybody that thinks otherwise can kiss my fucking ass you know
0: and you you make some really good wine i've actually had the pleasure of of uh being invited to have some of of your wine uh, with you. We did uh,
1: share a nice bottle together, didn't we? One or Um, two even.
0: Yeah, on 420 we had that. That's
1: right. That was awesome. No, I've really enjoyed making wine. I made wine for 15 years now and, you know, grow the grapes and make the wine. It has been really a lot of fun and definitely more good than bad. There's always, you know, you're always going to have a few fuck-ups, but we've had a, You know, definitely more than our share of exceptional ones. And that's been a real treat. But I've actually just got out of doing that and sold my wine property. So I'm just back 100% on cannabis right now. Oh, okay. But i kept uh, two pallets of wine from the last 15 years. So my cellar's full for a while. We'll drink another one.
0: Oh, man, that wine was super, super good. And uh, that definitely was a, a fun evening.
1: You've got excellent taste.
0: <laughs> uh, so um, so what are you working on? Or, you know, is there anything in particular you're excited or you're really uh, you know, honed in on in particular with your, your current breeding projects? I know you touched on a few earlier, but is there anything kind of... Uh, you know, well, we, well yeah. we
1: were chatting um, off the show earlier. We were talking about trying to get some CBDV lines up and starting with Lebanese starting material. So that's really at a very starting point. We'll see what we end up with, but that's gonna be a neat one to, to get up because it's not gonna be as restricted if you keep the THC low in it. So that'll be interesting, I think.
0: So what, uh, why would someone be interested in growing CBDV,
1: for instance? I have heard a lot of different reasons and I can't verify any of them, but the most intriguing that made me laugh my ass off was it supposed to be the female Viagra. (laughs) <laughs> when i heard that I was like, whether it's true or not we're gonna have to make some cbpc this is hilarious yeah, I, think we, <laughs>
0: I think we need to come together as a community and make sure we we help the ladies out we sure. gotta
1: get that up to 33 as fast as possible for sure <laughs>
0: oh man um, what uh what are some of the others i know there's right now especially with the new usda regulations everyone's kind of in a panic um are, are you working with any cbg lineages right now what are some of the ones i'm you-
1: not i know some people that are and i've talked to talked to a few about getting some seeds but i haven't started at all with cbg i'm just excited to uh get the fields of thc cranking. to me that's just my favorite And I think that's what the world needs. And I don't know enough about the other ones to have enough of an opinion. They're all valid and interesting, but I love THC, and I don't care who knows it. You know, (laughs) I don't. There's everybody and their brothers doing CBD these days, and I think you have to differentiate yourself. And even on my farm, we've got CBD there too, but we're the only company in Colombia that's actually uh, got a quota to. Produce uh, THC oil for export so far. And our first client country is our partners in Brazil. So we are leading the pack as far as regulatory stuff down there and getting these sorts of achievements. There's a, it's been a, you know, I can't even tell you how many lawyers this takes to run these kind of, to run the legal operation down there. It's to me, you know, after three and a bit years of getting it going. I'm a little fed up with the situation. It's getting better, but it's so slow. And when they in Canada, when they have an election and the government changes over, they don't change all the bureaucrats. But I understand in the US that's how they do it, where all the bureaucrats change with the political party. And Colombia, that's how they do it too. So when there was an election there shortly after the first you know government had made the medical cannabis regulations the next government came in that was a little more opposed to it and they took their sweet time getting people on the files to pass the licenses and even worse the quotas so they have a system of quotas in Colombia, whereby plants that exceed one percent THC-CBN combined are considered psychoactive. Anything under that is hemp and doesn't require security. So if you've got high security, you need the quotas for the, anything over that 1%. So they drag ass and thought of every excuse not to give it to you. And wh- one time they even... Uh, refused to give it to us because they give it to us for R&D d d first ask but when we asked to commercially produce the thc they were really giving us blowback and a lot of it was nonsensical and we got to the point of we were going to sue the government kind of thing and uh and they ended up conceding it to us eventually so now we have that first one but it was a fucking struggle and it took like way long, we should have had it in January, we didn't have it till August or something, right? Like it screwed you out of a year of commercial production because down there I've got it set up that we plant, harvest and process every day of the year. So it's not like you have a season that you do it. We just do it every day. And and so if you can put in a hectare a day or two (laughs) hectares a day and you can harvest one or two hectares a day, well, you've got a cycle going, right? So we switched over to non-psychoactives to, to keep filling the land up, but we still had the psychoactive, but we were really held back on producing it. We just had like, you know, our gene bank with the little four-inch pots of all the different mums or whatever. And then so when you get the bloody quota, then you've got to grow those into mums, take cuttings, make more mums, take cuttings, you know, and, and multiply them until you can fill the uh, area needed for the quota. So if you've got, say you need to make five kilos of oil and you need 50 kilos of dry flour for that and you get 100 grams of plant or whatever, then you would just work out the math and that's what they give you, you hope they give you. But they might give you something totally different. They'll say like, well, it's taken us six months to give you the quota, so now you're not going to produce as much this year. So we've cut it back and you just, oh God. I'm so tired of that, you know. And uh, the quota system may kill Colombia for psychoactive production. And if the place gets overrun with hemp, you can kiss all the good varieties goodbye, because uh, it'll be sad, really, you know. And
0: South Africa
1: is proposing a quota-based system as well. And it's like, dude, fight it, fight it. It's such a waste. Canada doesn't do quotas, and Canada's far from perfect, but at least it doesn't do quotas in Canada you get the licensed canopy area and you track how many plants you need to keep it growing and you know what you've done you've got to have all the records of how many clones you took and numbered and go all through the process but you don't get permission like okay now you can plant 500 more now you can plant 500 more you know or okay I say I want to plant 100,000 seeds this month and they're like Well, you know, you can't sell it. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to thin them out, thin them out, thin them out. And I'm going to end up with some good stuff. And whatever I make from that, the last hundred plants or whatever, we are allowed to donate R&D production can go to the universities for their trials with medical patients. So we're working on um, topicals for arthritis, basically, right? And... And that's all going through university in Bogota. So we can give them the free medicine. So the more R and D crops I do, the more free medicine I get to give away. I've got no problem with that. I just really want, I'd grow the R and D crops if I had to burn them. It just seems like a waste, you know? So to me, it's fun. We get get to, to run the extraction equipment and make some of this and that and get it out there. But the fact that you have these quotas, they delay you constantly. And they just make what should be the reason I'm there is for the efficiency of production on the equator. And it's not efficient with the quota system. So it really it does take the shine off the area. And and we're talking with the governments in Peru and Ecuador and trying to help them get it right. And northern Peru, even at the equator itself and Ecuador, of course, is on the equator. There's Colombia's got competition if anybody makes better regs and treats the companies better. And I say that as the company that's been able to go the furthest, you know, we've plowed the field for the people coming behind us and that's good, but still we've had to work ourselves to the bone to get anything past them before other people will get a chance to follow up with that. So I really feel like we're, we're crushing, crushing ahead for everybody, but I may pull out because if I can get a better situation next door, I will happily redirect investment on mega projects there. And I'll be building oil refineries next door For if they just don't do quotas. If they just say, okay, you licensed your 2,000 acres, go to work. That's what I need. If you license me for 2,000 acres and then say, okay, you can plant 1,000 plants this month. (laughs) Fuck you. I can't work like that, you know? So I'm getting really tired of the bureaucracy and I'm sure it's not going to get better wherever I go. But the thing is, at least you have some leverage if you're playing with more than one country because you can say, look, I'm about to spend 100 million bucks building a fucking oil refinery here. It's going to be a massive generator for you. Like in Colombia, they're taking a 17% cannabis tax, not including all the other benefits and taxes they're getting. But the overall economy is getting from all this investment and job creation. I mean, we've got people planting clones where their dads used to plant landmines. You know, it's totally, you're taking back the country for the people to do something righteous. And they make it difficult for you. Like, what good is that? You know, if you don't, at some point when you don't appreciate what's being put on the table, it's going to be gone. And we're looking at the one one uh, refinery, which isn't even the extraction plant, but we'd have a couple extraction plants to feed the one refinery, and it would have an output of 10 tons of distillate an hour. So if they were getting a 17% tax on that at wholesale, are they not insane to make my life difficult? You know? They're just shooting themselves in the foot.
0: Yeah, no, and and it's like they did something very similar too. Remember when Jamaica legalized, and then they copy and pasted Oregon's bill. And it's like, you know, how are you going to ask these guys who've been growing cannabis for you know 150 years on some of these plots that and tell them that they need to be 1,500 feet from a road, and they need to have cameras on their grow 24 hours a day, and they need to have <laughs> they need to have a razor wire fence around their grow. Like, get no. dude, we have to be realistic here. We need to balance. What, what's yeah. gonna help your economy there with the international standards for cleanliness and testing and, and make sure that we can meet both of those goals. You, you can't that's copy it. and paste That's all it comes
1: way. down to. If the product tests clean, period, that's it, you're passed. That's enough.
0: And, exactly. And when,
1: when they put all these overbearing rigs, they just keep the price up. And what they need to do is just allow it to grow like corn. Nobody steals, You know, very few people steal corn, let's say because it's, it's everywhere it's ubiquitous and it's cheap and i don't see why a 12 inch bud doesn't need to be any more than a cob of corn you
0: know no absolutely it's especially at the scale that that you're doing and, and working with so many different cultivars and and you know you, um you know do you want to touch on that because i know you were just working on the the million seed search when we had talked to you before do you, how, how did That's that great? Right. you know
1: what i haven't grown out Virtu- I've only thrown out a tiny, tiny bit of the seeds I've received from that million seed search. And it's been a godsend. I really, really appreciate all the contributors and, and the offer stands. They get to come and visit when, when I get the whole thing planted. Because right now from that million seed search, I have like a rubber made of seeds from all over the world. And I'm waiting to get... We uh, hadn't even applied because we'd had to shift gears to CBD for a bit while we were delayed on this THC thing. But now we're back in a uh, you know, headspace to do more THC R&D. So the million seed search is shortly to have a quota, I believe. And we will get everything that's been sent planted at the same time. They'll be vegged for, say, eight weeks and then they will go out to flower, at which point I will allow the contributors to know that, hey, make plans to come down here in six weeks. Because in six, seven weeks, you're gonna see this whole field in flower, you know, and see the whole million seed search in purpose, in person. Because I really wanna, from that and, and other things, I wanna really keep a living library of cannabis the idea is and again the quotas have interfered with this but as we as i get them more and more on side and more understanding of what we're trying to do they're they're coming around so it's a process but it's you know and it's painful but i'm trying my best i really think that uh, it'll happen sooner than later probably they'll get planted before christmas and in the new year everybody that's contributed seeds to the million seed search is welcome to come down and check it out. Either way, they're getting a full grow report and lab report on their stuff and how it turned out there. And we have agronomists making notes and taking pictures every week of everything that we try out. So they'll get a really professional feedback from that location. And when I try those things again, the things that I keep, for trying in other locations, there they'll get the reports from those as well, and uh, they come down to visit. I'm sure they'll have a souvenir or two or something special. The uh, because I've really sorting through everything. We've got the stuff from all over Australia, all over India, a few parts of Africa, um, a number of Asian ones, and of course loads and loads of modern stuff from North America and Europe. We've got a few different Mexican ones. I mean, there's still ones I don't have, and there's lots I'd like to. I mean, I'd like to just look at everything, everywhere I can. You know, I'm not too worried about trying Hawaiians in BC outside, but I'd like to see all the Hawaiians growing out in Colombia. You know, I've got a few Hawaiians, but I hardly have a complete selection, right? And uh, but it's just a blast to see it. You know, whether whether anything ever gets developed with all of them is another story. It may or may not. You know, I'll probably not use too much for what we're using for production, and we'll, but we will select from the best of that to make what we need for the different lines, like a, like the Lebanese for the CBDV or the Malawi Mall Crosses for the THCV. We want to try and make sure we're doing some little bit more niche work in the breeding side so we have chemovars that aren't the same ones everybody else is doing especially if we're going to really be making them at scale Like as you know you've all seen cbd really totally become commoditized and it's really just the tip of the iceberg still and and it's cheap like borscht right whereas you have cbn is going for 10 times the price of thc and i can use the one rotovap and some household stuff. I can make THC into CBN in under two hours. Right. So, I mean, in the lab, I like to play with things that way, but the highest seed I've got in CBN, which I was a big surprise to me because I wasn't expecting to get high CBN varieties. I just always thought it was an oxidative product, the THC, but I've got some Pakistani that is like nine over 9% CBN. So I thought I was, that was a big surprise for me this year anyway. Okay, that
0: was pretty cool. To, to
1: that's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was writing that down. Sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, um, remind me what, what CBN is good for too. CBN's the sleepy time one, you know, and it's the one that's going to combat the opioid crisis, if you will. Because it's really the one that just makes you melt and relax. And that's why people like the Lebanese red oil and the Lebanese red hash. Because were their export grade was the old stuff they couldn't sell. So all the good stuff is blonde in Lebanon. And then the old stuff turns red and then they export it. <laughs> so, but it, it's soothing. It's not so much in your head. It's more in your body, right? So it feels like a massage from the inside out. And it puts you to sleep really relaxing. I really like CBN. I, I actually uh, purposefully quickly oxidize a certain amount of THC I have so that I always have some CBN around because I really enjoy it. And I know lots of people probably think that's nuts, but to me, I, I'm just a little nutty about cannabis. So.
0: Uh, to me, the one thing I would say is be careful if you're making edible products that you really get the dosage right. <laughs> um, so it definitely has potential for abuse and i think that that's one one of the few things that scares me and it's one of the few cannabinoids i guess that to me really it needs to be in more of a a controlled setting or a, a, you know at least with some kind of warning because <laughs>
1: that's something... weird that's the first i've heard that that's interesting
0: oh so we we did a concentrated sublingual version of it and we dosed each other and uh, all of us slept for at least 16 or 18 hours straight and uh you could uh you could do whatever you wanted to that person so the potential for abuse is 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 high and and that's the one that i could see getting regulated immediately oh,
1: okay so it's the new the new roofie the can of roofie oh,
2: exactly. I thought it was of funny roofies, that so. it's CBN so like N for narcotic and then you're you know you're talking about it. yeah well, so truly
1: it's the most narcotic of the cannabinoids in that
0: fashion. CBN, CBN. But if you're right but if you're a, 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 in a cannab- you know in a hospital setting or a doctor setting yeah.
1: you no know, for- oh shit in your living room you know it's okay it's not it's <laughs> oh yeah <exactly. laughs> you can dab it dude you can dab it don't worry you can dab it at home.
0: Oh, absolutely! You you totally can. I'm just saying more so when you're getting into edible products. Uh, yeah,
1: no, that's right. Anytime you get into edibles, you got to be extra careful of dosage because there's no it's no quick come down. You know, you take a dab, you you no matter what, you're going to get over it in 15 minutes. You know. But
0: yeah, but I think of all the ones that's going to get regulated, I could see that one getting regulated first.
1: <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's totally a good point.
0: And, and, but I also think, you know, compared to other options for anesthesia and for for keeping people comfortable in a a hospital setting, you know, it doesn't have respiratory interactions. It doesn't have kidney issues. It doesn't have, you know, it does have some, some interactions with liver stuff, depending on other medications, but generally compared to the safety of other, um, you know, especially any other anesthesias. It's it's a hell of a lot safer in that regard. As far as you know, any even even on the off chance you overdose somebody, so he sleeps for twelve more hours. No big deal, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like got uh, control as too. long as
1: you're in a good safe place, that you're fine with it, you yep. know. But yeah, so edibles change the equation. You know that's for sure.
0: We so. got Vision here joined us.
1: Vision, all right.
0: Evening, Steve. How, you doing, How are you
3: doing, buddy? Very good. good. <laughs> Cheers, I'm drinking I'm drinking a little bit of red wine it's not made by me but I'm sure your season is in full flow
1: ah man I just took it all down actually yeah and I'm having yeah, some red wine myself I've got okay. a 7 brunello di montalcino on the go tonight
3: <laughs> don't say things like that to me I'm just going to get so jealous it's ridiculous
1: <laughs> i don't you'll have to just get back for a visit man it's been too long
0: So uh, so what um uh you know you what are some of the different I oh, know dude I love coming into your Oh must be a lag No go ahead I didn't realize he was lagging there That's my lag
1: No worries. You got to say, buddy, you're not getting any better hey, looking.
3: Got... <laughs> I'm getting old dude like Hey that's, old, why, uh, that's why that's why I don't even see you, you. You won't even see me, man. It's too ugly. I know. Yeah, I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop my video out because I got an unstable internet connection. But so, we'll, which which
1: will just save, make it, save like, some bandwidth start. there? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm not problem with the bandwidth. I'm.
0: S- <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, it's just so like, like a. So whatever some of the trends you found, uh, I guess, while he's working out his, his technicals there um, with the international scene, I guess, uh, especially, you know, given the kind of crazy, uh, crazy stuff going on last week with the USDA, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, what, uh, what are some of the other trends and some of the other stuff that's kind of going on in the international scene? You, you have kind of a better perspective than most people.
1: Well, I keep an eye on it more than most people, but I know people that keep an eye on it more than me too. But I think the nice thing is you're seeing it open up more and more and more. The dominoes are starting to fall, albeit slowly, but you're starting to see, you know, I can't even tell you the number of places people have been telling me this year, oh, we can get something started here in Cambodia or Malta or God knows, Poland or Denmark. I've been invited to do... 10 times more than I'll do you know because I don't know you just can't do everything you know it'd be nice to try and get around to see everything but I'm trying to maybe narrow it down to five or six places no more you know I would I maybe have some satellite places with trusted partners doing things there but personally the I'm not going to micromanage even six places but you know, a lot of the stuff is clonable, like the operations and the SOPs and designs, and that you can recycle a lot of that. Once you've got that right in uh, one place, it's a lot easier to reproduce it in another one, right? So so that's good, but all, often there's a slightly different um, angle of attack to each project. Some of them are going to be more hand, some of them are going to be more mechanical. I, I'm leaning really to... Trying to move everything to the mechanized version. And I know that's not gonna be the case with selection crops and that, of course, but but for actual production, I really just want to see everything going out with seed drills and coming down with combines and then processing it into silos of turps and oils, you know.
3: So Steve, can I ask you a couple of questions? By all means. So, like, uh, uh, I, 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 I've been watching your the the med uh, MedCan thing down in Colombia for a little while, and I, I watch all the photos and stuff like that. So, uh, how are you vegging your plants?
1: Well, right now, we're pretty standard uh, cuttings. Once they're rooted, they get moved to the juvenile area for six weeks. And they're all in cocoa with both and compost. It's totally bio operation so once they've vegged for six weeks you take two cuttings off the bottom and then stick them in the field you know <laughs> so you could really uh exponentially you, 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 multiply
3: yeah te- technically you're on the equator so everything's just like
1: yeah like 12, three 12 and a, three and a half degrees yeah. yeah yeah in a year i have six minutes variation off 12 12.
3: the big boys
1: (laughs) yeah so it's virtually 12 12 the whole time so so you can can plant harvest and process every day of the year
3: but when when you're doing that on mass you you know it's just i just i was just inquiring about like how you know how you you know you got you must have a light regimen that you're maintaining you know them under we
1: started Um, out with we have outdoor mother blocks as you've seen in the pictures. Mm -hmm. So we've got yeah. outdoor mother blocks, and we've got outdoor or shade cloth veg areas for the yeah. juveniles. And those lights originally would be on the full 12 hours that it would have been dark. So they were getting 24 hours light. And yeah. then we cut it back to, yeah. uh, I think we just give them six hours supplemental now and keep them at 18
3: yeah yeah every everybody needs a
1: rest <laughs> yeah you know what when you it works for a while but you start seeing yeah. some plant stress after it's 24 yeah. for too long Yeah. but the That's thing totally was easy. we were doing 24 because a lot of the stuff that we were trying from northern you know further higher latitudes it would start to flower on 18. you had too many things that were auto so you yeah. tried 24 and then still you'd see which ones were really auto on 24.
3: Wow. So like okay. okay, so um, what's your what's your what's what's your take on autos?
1: Well, yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with uh, modern autos. I've never been really impressed with the most of the ones I've seen, but I had one sweet tooth one this year that was uh, I would call it a sweet tooth 6 generation and that sweet tooth 6 there was um, uh, most of them weren't autos, but there was a couple that were, from a few hundred seats, and uh, two of them were quite nice that were autos. And one of them was green, and one of them was purple red, and the purple red one was insanely grape lollipop. It was one of my is one of my favorite sweet tooth expressions is when it smells like where the grape lollipops come from, and that auto sweet tooth totally had it and under 24 hours light it was almost entirely budded and full of resin and total candy smell so i kept i i found a matching auto purple male and a matching green auto male and i took those four plants out of the main selection greenhouse and put them in their own spot. So I kept a little jar of seeds out of those plants. And uh, I'm looking forward to Were they
3: in a pot or in the ground?
1: In a pot. They were just in pots. They were in small pots and like one gallon or something still.
3: Okay, so like do you think that's a root restriction (coughs) gene or an auto gene? Well, that may
1: have contributed to it, but if there's like four hundred seedlings and only two of them are flowering, it's pretty obvious, you know, that those ones are inclined to go off early. I'm just curious, asking questions. Yeah, no, that's what, that's what I was seeing. But I, I actually did grow out some of the green line of it. And yeah. they're pretty good, but not, not exceptional. But uh, yeah. I haven't grown out the other line of it yet, the purple-red ones. Which I'm just going to call the purple line from now on to keep it clear. But the, uh, but the purple line, I'm more excited to grow out because it had the ultra candy. Both of them had a real sweetness to it and the green one i had out in my garden this summer now that we're allowed four plants here you know i did four monsters this summer i got like 10 pounds from the four plants i had in my yard and uh, Sweet. yeah but they came down way they three weeks earlier than usual and where i am is too far north for these varieties so they, they would do good in southwestern ontario but they suck in dc you know so If I grow again commercially in Canada, it'll be in southwestern Ontario, but I still, wherever I am, I'm going to put out some just for fun, right? So in BC, those four plants, we had an exceptionally early deep cold, and then there was some more rain after that, and then it was getting sunny for a bit, so they got another week. But they went down to well below freezing three times about a month before I'd usually cut them. So a week or two later... You know, they were surprisingly resilient from the freezing, didn't take them down. But so one of them, you know, it was neat to see, actually, because one of them was a berry white. The fan leaves of it were much thinner, and they disintegrated. So you had to really strip that out, or it would have been rotting everywhere when it started raining the next week, right? But the sweet tooth and... The sweet tooth in particular had uh, think thicker leaves that were more elastic, and they they held together. They, you couldn't even tell they got cold, you know. But uh, there was a couple other ones there that showed it to varying degrees. Even the sweet tooth on a few spots on the plant, you saw some frostbite on them for sure. But they it, when I saw. They had a few more days of sun, and then I saw three straight days of rain coming, and I cut them like an hour before the first drop fell. And it was good because it didn't stop for three days, and I wouldn't have lost most of it. So they, so I was really happy to get it down, but as bud, it's not stunning, but it's going to make lots of tasty bubble hash for me, the dry sift version.
3: Sweet. Okay, so I'll give you um, – uh... So like this was like a really bad season, like middle of September, B.C., it starts to rain and then it just doesn't stop raining for three weeks.
1: OK, so yeah, you out on you the know. coast, uh, totally. I know. Oh, okay. I didn't. My September was pretty good. So
3: that wasn't okay. my problem. No, ours was appalling. But OK, so um, we had this uh, ex-Canadian soldier pass through in the spring and then he turned up again uh, later on. But in the spring, he'd given us seeds he'd got from some field near Kandahar um, in 2006 when he was doing his tours of duty. And uh, but he was a toker, so he you know, he went like, "Holy shit, these plants are fucking huge! I want the seeds from this." And so, like, uh, he very kindly gave me like, "What have I got now? 26 seeds of that." So we, we grew a, a, just a couple of them out just to have a look-see because I don't believe everybody who says anything to me. Um, so we grew up and those things went through that three weeks of complete utter trash rain, cold horribleness and there's never been a single uh, spot of botrytis on any of those plants. So, you know, That's and, and, and I had... They were right next door to my congos, okay. My congos melted. My congos are usually completely impervious to, to bud rot, but they melted. But this thing did not melt, okay. So that's uh, um, it's like following um, uh, white buffalo seeds guys who are really trying to like uh, weed out the um, the powdery mildew strains. Um,
0: yeah.
3: I'm, I'm looking for a strain that we can actually use, which will just eliminate bud rot. So you could actually keep them going outside. Even well, you, know in the-
0: what, you know what's weird about the powdery mildew? Everyone talks about this. And so there's actually quite a few studies on the gene that actually is responsible for that powdery mildew resistance. It's very similar in corn and soybeans and other crops, right? And there's actually some really cool studies uh, on that particular one on th- minimum thresholds regarding parts per million of silica. Uh, in the soil, and and then how if your silica thresholds, or your bioavailability of your silica is below uh, certain thresholds, the gene expression for particularly powdery mildew um, and, and a, a couple of others, uh, but but that one in particular is one of the main ones that really um, you know stands out uh, as far as being uh, uh, triggered or not triggered, you know, because of a, a minimum threshold on on which I believe was right around 60 parts per million.
1: Hmm, that's really good to know
0: yeah I'd have to do some digging but I could I could find you the link on that if you're curious there's a uh, we talked about this too well I'll, I'll let you go back to what you're talking about too but uh, there's a really cool weird one about um, we talked about about the cassava crispr 9 virus with the cassava mosaic virus which is similar to cannabis mosaic virus and 45 percent of the virus learned how to use CRISPR to kill the plant faster <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> frightening absolutely uh, definitely genetically you can see some plants have more resistance than others given the same conditions you know but the uh, but i'm sure that what you make available to them like a resistant a healthy plant is always a resistant plant but still certain ones just seem to have they're either mag mildew magnets i call them or they really repel it, and it's oh, yeah. it's amazing to see the difference. So one, you know, <laughs> sometimes you learn things in ways you don't want to, but you still learn something. And one time in Switzerland, when we were getting going, there was a, a stressful transition time where there was no power; that the power of building got shut off as partners were changing over and this sort of thing. So I literally took. All my selection plants I had going in the warehouse for a week into a cave on the side of a mountain and put a generator in there with 1000 watt to keep them going. And the cave was full of mildew and everything I took in there except two plants (laughs) that looked like they everything got hit. Everything was totally fucked except two plants and they just looked like they were never left the warehouse you know they just were cardboard the leaves were like green cardboard and th- that was uh, the mother the mother of sweet tooth four bx2 m1 and the father of sweet tooth three and four bx2 p1 those two sweet twos had that evergreen look to them big fat leaves that they didn't take mildew. They just wouldn't take it. There was they had brothers and sisters all around them, but that thinned them out. I was like, oh, no need to pick any further. These two are the winners, you know. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, just one of those things where you you're like, oh, everything's going to shit, and a week later you're grinning from ear to ear because you're like, I never would have stuck those all everything in that room in a box of mildew, you know. But because I did, I saw which ones didn't mind, you know? It was pretty crazy.
2: Some of the greatest discoveries in the world happened by accident.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it. So you always got to look for the silver lining, too. Right? And a week later, the power was on, and I was cleaning up the plants, <laughs> saving what I needed to. But the, those two, I was like, I never would have known that you guys are special, you know? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> well, it's better than growing in a
3: swimming pool in the back of Shaughnessy somewhere. Were you at that place? Did you ever
1: visit me there?
3: Yeah, I was there, dude. Yeah, that was, absolutely. That was one of the first times I ever, like, got my eyes opened up to what everybody was doing, and I went, holy
1: Man. shit. Dude, but not everybody was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody was doing it, no. But...
3: <laughs> but but it, it opened my eyes to like, what, you think you can actually get away with this? And that I'm was epic, wasn't
1: like, it? Yeah. I'm glad you saw that, man. I'm glad you saw that. That was epic sure.
3: That was it, no, that was that, those were epic times, dude. and people were trying to get away with absolute murder in
1: Vancouver. Like yeah, this was mid, mid, murder in in Vancouver and I had a a big old house that had been condemned, I think, at one point. A sweet ass deal with a foreign landlord, cash deal, no name on anything. I loaded it up. I had like three rooms with 14 lights in the basement. And then the backyard, I do 1,500 plants around my swimming pool. Then I drained the swimming pool, filled it up with plants. <laughs> the whole backyard was full. And it was halfway between the airport and downtown and helicopters would take people from the airport to downtown and they would fly down to show them my backyard like a tourist attraction. And I would wave at them while I was watering the plants and sometimes I'd give them the finger because they'd get too low and start blowing plants over. And it was just epic. It was so funny. And we had a house band that came and played parties at that place. We called it the compound. Like that, that was a scene unto itself.
3: Steve, what, what was Jolly Rancher? What was actually in
1: it, <laughs> <if> Yeah, <you> remember? <laughs> That's a good question. That was uh, my very first seed I donated to Emory after he'd got busted. I'd yeah. never thought of even selling seeds before. i made them for myself because back then you couldn't reliably get anything. You had to save your own. So we had started growing for five years in the summer in Ontario. Last couple of years, I had a couple of closets or something in university. But mainly, I would grow my stash in the summer. And the last year, I had made some seeds from one. The mother, I believe, was ironweed, which was, uh, I think, out of California at some point. But obviously, probably from Mexico and further on. But the ironweed was uh, quite strong and that was the mother wasn't sweet at all it was really like almost metallic you know and the uh, father was a really bubblegummy male I found but I didn't know for sure what it was I just knew it was you know more let's say wide leaf because I can't say indica anywhere but it was yeah you know what i mean it was a little yeah, batter, mama, batter popo <laughs> there with yeah. and, it, and it had a real bubble gummy and a fruity bubble gummy smell to it even as a male and i was like i don't want to just kill this for nothing i want to hit something with it so i hit it with uh this one i called Ironweed, which uh um was strong enough that it was worth growing but i don't remember i mean, can't even remember where the mother came from uh, I'm sure it was as seed. Anyways, that was what I started, what I called the Jolly Rancher. And then I was growing that. out. I used to call it Medway Madness because I was from London, Ontario, and I grew in Medway Creek. And I called it Medway Madness. But when I moved to Vancouver and I was donating a jar after Emory got busted selling seeds because I knew him from London, like loosely, not closely. But I just said, "Oh man, if so, if so you got busted selling seeds. If you're gonna do it any anymore, I'm happy to donate you a film canister of seeds." And I remember peeling the top off, looking at him, and he says, "They're fucking coconuts. <laughs> they were huge. They so usually yeah. you get like 1,600, 2,000 small seeds maybe in a film canister. If you have to be old enough to remember what a film canister is, but the uh, <laughs> those song. ones there was maybe 600 or something. They were just like." small peas or something they were big seeds but uh yeah i remember growing them out in vancouver a few times and i moved on from them pretty quickly but there was always a few people that were so attached to it and i still hear back from people that were like what was that jolly rancher all about that was my favorite thing what happened that, that? was my, like,
3: that was my favorite fucking thing dude you really know you're one of,
1: okay, so one of those two okay You better let it go yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, just gave like, up on it after a while. I was—I no, got more interested in other things I had and let it fall no, by the wayside. It wasn't like I hated it. It was I just sweet sugar candy. Probably too—you probably hated
3: it because it's probably too sweet for your taste. But we loved it because it was like that side
1: tongue sweetness.
3: Was oh, just yeah, yeah. fucking was, when I drew right. it
1: out in Vancouver. It was fucking outrageous. It, dude. Yeah, it reminded me of the Jolly Rancher candies. Like it had yeah. the fruity and the sour and, and the to and it. the side hit of the sugar. Yeah, it was yeah, just like so, oh, no. I thought I thought that's a better name because I said who in Vancouver nobody knows Medway Madness, you know, and that was just my own name for it. Nobody ever knew it like that, but they. But, yeah, I thought, what does it remind me of? It reminds me of Jolly Ranchers, you know. So, so that was how it got I, I, its name. I'm,
3: I'm, I'm very curious because I don't get to fucking, like, hang out and do these things online with you that often. <laughs> like, never.
1: Well, you could get so me like, a call uh, any day of the week, though. You know no, dude, that.
3: I've, I've got your number on speed dial. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> okay. But, so, like, uh, I think, I think and, and this would be really interesting for all the people who are probably watching or listening who are going to watch or listen, How do you make your male selections?
1: You know what? Mostly through rubbing stalks. It's really, for me, a sensory thing. I really, you know, the very basic premise of this whole project is like bigots alike, right? So if if there's anything I don't like about the smell of a male, I'm hesitant to use it. And if I really like it, I find a way to use it. And sometimes it's even smoking the male, you know. But rarely, only once or twice, honestly. But uh, a couple of times I've had male buds that I thought that I am saving the top of that smoking, (laughs) you know. And have
3: have you ever reversed a male into a female to to try out to to see if it's better or less?
1: I never have. I didn't play a lot of with reversals. I never released feminized seeds, as you know. Um, I know. I'm not opposed to it in any way, shape, or form. It just wasn't my my whole thing was, you know, just avoiding hermaphrodites like the plague. You know, that was really the fundamental for me. If I could see anything herm or sex change, I wouldn't use it. You know.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's me clapping by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just stayed away from it. I knew, you know, I saw it happening all around me, and I was like, I I'm really fascinated, but you all tell me how it goes. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, which is avoiding hermaphrodism like yeah. the plague. So I don't regret that in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying I would never do feminized. I'm sure I will. And I will do not only feminized, but sterile, feminized sterile plants. where, the, where what, you grow, what, do you, what do you mean by sterile? They won't take a seed. So even if okay. everybody around you is growing hemp, you will yeah. still be growing seedless plants.
3: Yeah, no, I, can't, I think that's all, you know, because um, the U.S. legalized hemp. I think, like, hemp's fairly legal in Canada at the moment. And I think that, like, anybody who's going to be doing big outdoor is going to get some very seeded crops. because like, Already this year <laughs> in Ontario,
1: there was a lot of reports of uh, the first, yeah. not everyone, but some of the first seeded, the uh, first crops were heavily seeded from hemp. The uh, the Spanish used to put up weather
3: maps of when the when the flowers or sorry when the male flowers were going off in Morocco.
1: Yeah, the, the Moroccan pollen, pollen would
3: fly
1: and, over, it, you know, and, and everybody would
3: get like streaming noses because there was just like masses and
0: masses. I was in I was in Spain, Spain when, in when I
1: saw the pollen reports come out where ninety percent of the pollen was uh, cannabis. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, it was like an August still, so the pollen <laughs> yeah. up from Morocco, yeah. But here, still, I saw lots of seedless pots. So, I mean, even when there's that much pollen in the air, there, it's, it's not like being beside a male, you know.
0: How, how you have to it, be uh...
1: fairly close to males to get a density of seeds, you know. You, get, you might get a sporadic one from random pollen from far away, but it's highly unlikely. Like It's it's like getting, I don't know. I don't even know what to compare it to. It's such a it's remote safe. possibility of getting seeded. I've had males in fields where you had tons of seed in every plant within 10 feet, and then you had a few seeds and plants within, say, 30 feet, and then yeah. you had seedless plants. Yeah. So I don't I don't worry too much about you know foreign males pollinating us, but if they if you have a field down the street, you're gonna have a problem, you know.
2: That's good info to be, to share. I like that you just shared that for people out there that are always so concerned. But also glad that you're on the job doing the sterile thing. So if it does become an issue, you're gonna. It, have- no,
1: that's it. That's the future of it right now. I think it's the greatest thing work? to happen to cannabis genetics since cannabis. The, so how does that work? The fact work? that you can keep your pot seedless forever, and the, there's two two types of sterile female plants. So if you think of seedless grapes or seedless watermelons, they're stenocarpic plants. They're stenocarpic, but the uh, process with them leaves these little aborted white pips. So this, it would be unacceptable in cannabis. It's not good to just have little white seeds. It's not really an improvement, right? So uh, the virgin fruit is parthenocarpic fruit, and that doesn't take a seed. And I first found those in the mid '90s. They were the and I had 50% sterile and 50% non-sterile, just regular females. And that was out of this mother of what I call tight skunk. So the same father as sweet skunk got hit. it hit the these ones that were called ryan's killer and it was from a grower out in the valley named ryan in abbessford or somewhere in the Fraser valley i forget but uh so this ryan's killer when it came out i had a friend that was selling eights of bud and she usually sold eights of bud for 40 bucks and when this came out she was selling it was like twice a year she got this batch of ryan's killer and she sold it for 55 bucks an eighth. So it was just unheard of in Vancouver, a $55.8. So just because she had them, and she's like, honestly, try it. Here, have a little bowl. It's delicious. And she said, and he said, anybody that gets it lucky because there's some special seeds in it. I never met the grower. So it was just this girl that trimmed for him, and it was selling some bud. And uh, he had this batch of been working on. It was unlike anything else flavor-wise. It was more like sandalwood. It was really a unique herb and when i grew it out it it had vine-like stalks so it looked like a oaxacan and it had florets and the petioles so again looked like oaxacan so i was guessing maybe it was a oaxacan afghan cross or something but i'm sure the guy was working on making feminized seeds but just trying a few and in uh, amongst my friends that got an eighth probably three or four of us said well we'll we're, we're get an eighth or whatever and try this and they we all put the seeds together and there was like six seeds and i grew out the six seeds all six were female and 50 percent of them were sterile and you know how you could tell the difference they had no pistols the other three had pistols and they made seeds and it get and they were side by side with the mother of the sweet skunks, grapefruit getting slapped with the same pollen, and three of them chock full of seeds. The other three, not a single seed. You just couldn't seed them. I was smearing it on by hand. You know, you couldn't seed the plants with no pistols. And the and then later a secondary thing <clears throat> that I noticed about them that was really different and that I learned later because I spent a long time researching this phenomena and, uh, other Parthenocarpic fruits often exhibit the same trait in that they root really, really abnormally quickly as cuttings. And when I took cuttings of these ones, this, the sisters with hairs, they take 10, 12 days like everything else. And the ones with no pistols, they rooted in three, four days. So I was really blown away by these plants and they were strong. Like they were good. <laughs> you wouldn't turn it down for anything. It was a good bud. You know, it was really strong, good, good selection that he'd done this with, but I hadn't made them. I only grew them out. And, uh, but I thought back and I studied the phenomena repeated, you know, on and off for ages. And now I know what's going on and uh, I'm, working on the patent for it right now so that's uh hopefully going to be done i would hope in the next six months but we'll see
0: now, how? W- about?
1: Go ahead. sorry
0: no go ahead
3: uh, wh- wh- where, where do you think we're all going in the next year what do you think is going to actually happen like uh, legalization-wise and all the bits and pieces that we're going through at the moment. Me, I'm just trying to get a goddamn fucking like uh, craft cannabis thing together and then canada that's a fucking nightmare
1: no i know so. it's really it's really <laughs> discouraging how hard they've made it but i do believe they're going to peel back the layers and they have since the beginning like when i saw the mmar came out i was like "Nah, 300 plants i'm not taking it and then the you know tell them where i live no way <laughs> and then i saw yeah. the MMPR come out it's like okay they want yeah. you to build a prison to grow pot and they want to limit the effectiveness of it by making you sell it crunchy, dry and lower GHC and blah, blah, blah. They had all these ridiculous regs when I read the first round of the MMPR and I said, no thanks. And then the ACMPR came out and it's like, okay, now it's getting a little better, but still, it's still overblown. And now they've come out with the micro licenses and you thought, yeah, but they're so small. And the fact that you couldn't do farm gate direct sales, made it a no-brainer not to do it for me because at that point you were locked into either selling it directly to the province or to one of your larger competitors which is being caught between a rock and a hard place right so i said no, that's, that's, no, g- that's no that's no way that's to run a business co- i realize now that's getting caught <laughs> it's getting and there's rock to co- a, co- co- a rock. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna allow Farmgate sooner than later. And that's going to change it for the micros. It'll be worth yeah. people's while if they can do direct sales. But if they have to go through two layers of bureaucracy to sell it through other people, it's probably going to be destroyed by the time it gets to people. But people don't want that. They want it to be like a winery where they go to the place, they meet the people that make it, they see the plants, they taste the stuff, you know, make it fun doesn't have yes. to be sterile, you know. They all no, want it to, have be to be sterile. sterile. They want to make it all into Tylenol and it's like, hey, there's yeah. a place for that. But that's not what it's all about, you know. So let's let's have some fun with it and just get over it, you know. It's just grass. <laughs> it's, uh, don't, don't, and, and
3: you're 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 the greatest example I know, okay? And because you sell wine, Totally legal, (laughs) logistically, and and do your shit because you say this is the taste, this is my wine, this is my alcohol, this is my buzz. Essentially, that's your—it's your buzz. So you're selling them your buzz, and your buzz, and anybody else out there, you better go and buy his wine because it's (laughs) fucking awesome. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but you're one of the few people I know who's gone through like the whole. Proportion of like a prohibition and being a complete abject little fucking pirate in the beginning to coming out of that and having a winery and still, and you got the place in Columbia, dude. Like, you know, dude, like, I've got to give you a fucking round of applause. I'm sorry. <laughs> i got to give you
1: a round. You're very kind, man. But for the, for the record, I no longer have the winery, I ditched it a week ago.
0: You did it a week
1: ago. Yeah, I sold it a week ago, so I'm straight into cannabis again.
3: Dude, you you did the best ice wine known to mankind. Okay, (laughs) your ice wine was like God just cried on your tongue. It was and, and I'm, glad you, I'm glad
1: you tried some. And we and Okay, no no the best ones I labeled Sweet Tooth yeah. Series, right? The best ones were all if you looked on the back label, they were called Sweet Tooth Series. Oh no. It was beautiful. <laughs> the people that hey, got to enjoy it and visit that place had a lot of fun. That was nice. We had a
0: we had a, we had a yeah, question save. from chat. Uh, they they asked in chat, um, <clears throat> if the plants are sterile, how do you breed them? And can you cross that into other stuff, um, you know, with other strains or, or do you have to stay within that lineage?
1: Well, they're mainly designed for you just to take cuttings as long as you want. But if you want to breed with them, you'd have to do reversals with them. And then you could probably cross it with something, but it will never take a seed.
2: Right, the whole point is it's not breedable. That's the whole point. Well,
1: it's not even a question of it not being breedable. I don't care if you can cross it with something <laughs> by reversing it and cross it with something. Do what you want. But, but, the, but the plant itself is a cutting, you know, that's going to be a cutting as long as you use it. And it may come out uh, micro-propagated in artificial seeds, like desiccated artificial seeds that uh, have a wax coating so that they'll flow through a seed drill and can be used for field planting. But this is still in trials and away from commercial release, but not that far away, like maybe a year or two. Who knows? The the fact is, it's being able to use a cutting that won't get seeded. And even in Canada, with the indoor licensed producers and greenhouses... Tons of them have taken shit for selling seeded bud and even worse, seeded pre-rolls. And the one guy, one reviewer in Canada, he called out the same producer twice different months apart on different batches, and he he cut open the joints and weighed them, and they're 50% seeds. And And ouch! Brown finished seeds. Can you imagine a joint that was 50% seeds? And they're selling these joints for 15 bucks a gram. It's like, how can, how can you get up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror, you know?
2: I just These people got are so
1: incompetent. So I thought, and it's not a question of their neighbors with males. These guys are indoors in the freaking winter, you know? Like, there's nobody growing around them. They're having hermie issues, and they're testing out uh, seeds with males in the same facility or whatnot. But they're getting complete seeds there's a abs, you know, absolutely no excuse to sell smoking cannabis with seeds in it. That's no. just insane, really? right? And it's an insult. It's
3: a <laughs> fucking insult. I love it's a seeded buds.
1: I'm a hash smoker. So I love seeded buds. Seeded buds oh, no. does not bother me. I, one of the things I loved about seed production was I always kept every resin gland that I grew. You know, it's like I'm gonna get these uh, for this crop, but I'm got every resin gland I grow. <laughs> yeah, now
3: now I understand because you know mm. they're, they're still resonated out on the outside, even if they got
1: a seed in them. You can't so do hashbuds so, without an enormous amount of grass to crush up. You so, know? so
3: w- w- why do you think the plant still produces a trichrome, bulbous trichome with a fucking big sphere on the top, even after it's seeded? I always thought that the trichromes were there to protect the plant from UV light.
1: Oh, fuck! well, why doesn't maple leaves have them then? Like, it doesn't, well, it's just what the plant makes. I think yeah. it's because Jesus loves us. Because
3: Jesus loves us? Okay, I'll, I'll accept that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve. He's very
0: so, uh, yeah, tri- trichomes actually, have you guys ever seen how like trichomes work in, in some, in some, in hops? So, so hops when certain types of caterpillars, uh, eat the trichomes on hops, it actually changes their pheromones to be much more similar to the sex pheromones of, of the parasitic wasp that preys on them and actually attracts, uh, you know, a parasitic wasp via s- simulated sex hormones via consumption of the trichome head. It's one of the the weirdest ones that I've seen as far as you know ones they've actually documented thoroughly through. But
1: um yeah, it's it's so neat. That's weird.
0: Yeah, I'd l- look that up sometime on, on uh on YouTube or something.
1: When oh, I get God. these caterpillars out of my underwear I will. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: little little BT powder. <laughs> <the> <laughs> Um, so
3: you, you, you just be just beware for the Lyme disease, there, buddy.
0: <laughs> do you uh do you have any advice we had someone else? Ask they have some very old seeds from the 70s. Do you have any advice for germinating old seeds?
1: Well, the only two things I can think of is, um, I would always put them like take some fine sandpaper and roll it inside a paper towel tube and you know, cap the ends with your hands or whatever, and just shake them back and forth to, to scratch them up a bit. And hopefully that softens the edges on them. Otherwise, you could literally sand the edges down a little bit because they get so woody. If you want to try it with a treatment, a lot of people use gibberellic acid because that makes them the sprouts just shoot out really quick. But, I mean, you could take regular seed, put a little gibberellic, You don't eat very much.
3: Can can I I add something into that, Steve? Sure. So, like, if you take a a small half-litre mason jar, drill a hole in the top and put a fucking air stone in there, bubble the water on the inside with a couple of drops of Super Thrive, then scuff the seed, okay, because you still have to scuff the fucking seed, and then drop them in there, and as soon as you see that little, like, bonk come out, then you've got to take them out. Sorry, I'm I'm completely anal about trying to start old seeds.
1: As you should be. <laughs>
3: as I should be, because most of the seeds I get are fucking old shit. Uh, anyway, so and, th- and that's how th- and that's how it really works. You, it's the bubbler jar. So as soon as that little triangle of white comes out of the fucking uh seed it's getting like a, an insane amount of fucking oxygen and it loves it
1: uh, oh that's smart and that's,
3: yeah and that's how to i was even thinking peroxide seeds.
1: too if you but but there's less a uh, risk of overdoing it with a bubbler
3: yeah there's no there's weight like i say yeah hydrogen peroxide they're gonna it may fry it and we don't yeah want no it's a question it of dose out. for sure yeah yeah yes.
1: but um once, if they crack and they're the thing I've seen with old seeds often is even though you can get them to crack, they don't want to grow. So a little bit of gibberellic acid can uh, make the tail sprout really quickly.
3: So what? What's a little? And you probably take the shell off by hand. Okay, so what's a little bit of gibberellic acid?
1: Oh fuck! I'd have to look at some notes. I think we were using very very little like 50 ppm or something like that
3: okay not a bit we're just like we're just asking the
0: fucking questions so, dude. so i've had a I, I wanted to chime in on that too um as far as the peroxide goes uh, it's one drop per whiskey glass
1: uh is is the uh, that's they're... reasonable yeah that sounds reasonable is
3: that a shot of, glass or a whiskey glass?
0: Oh, no, a proper whiskey glass. We don't we don't drink okay. anything out of a shot glass. This is a proper... <laughs> like a whiskey a thistle.
1: Glass. Yeah. yeah. Whiskey <laughs>
0: thistle. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I've had a lot of luck with, with popping stuff that I've been given that were very old, was taking... Uh, and this was a trick I learned from um, some, some seed preservation friends of mine that do really old school um uh like super old school stuff so he actually has some pre civil war era okra seeds and, and some other funky stuff he gave me Oh cool uh, up, uh, up in Michigan
1: I love um, growing uh, okra you know what that's one one of my favorite plants it it's so decorative as well as delicious it's and really uh, the flowers they open up the I forget the name of the with uh, the traditional oh. camera with the shutter how it spiraled open there what do they call that I would, I'm yeah, I, like a I <laughs> You know, how it's kind of it? like I'm uh, anyway. mixing. I'm mixing up. <laughs> yeah, a, a mixing. how the aperture opens—that's like the uh, the flower on it unfurls like that. It looks awesome, and the uh, it closes up at night and opens up in the daytime. And it's a beautiful flower. It's like creamy white on the outside and kind of purple inside. Oh, and yeah. I've been growing okra for years too. I just love it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I was mixing up. I, it's actually it was a different friend of mine that, that taught me it, but a different friend of mine gave me some of those in Michigan last year. But um, uh, so uh, you can actually take those same germination hormones from corn and actually get corn, uh, you know, at your regular Home Depot or whatever uh, and our local seed place or wherever it is, it's near, near you and uh, germinate those for, you know, 24 to 36 hours until that again, that seed cracks open. And that little tail pops out, and then immediately strain that water off. Uh, you know, uh, make sure you oxygenate it, and then pour that into a fresh glass and put your cannabis seeds in that, and actually, you know, soak up the, um, uh, uh, soak up the the germination hormones from that. In, in yeah, a, in all the
1: enzymes and hormones into that. Exactly. That makes exactly perfect sense. And the other, another one that just popped into my brain that I forgot about that's really killer is uh, coconut water. Like literally cut open a coconut and a coconut is a giant
3: seed,
1: (laughs) right? A coconut is a giant seed. And the real coconut is loaded with everything that makes a seed sprout.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I had never thought of that, but yeah, you could go to your grocery store and and just go get some of that.
1: Yeah.
2: Interesting.
1: That that's even
0: better, man. That's and not only that, you can get a coconut in a whole lot of a lot of places in the world you couldn't get a germination oh, yeah. hormone.
1: Fuck yeah, and one coconut will sprout a lot of seeds, you know.
0: Oh yeah, no man, that's that's such a good tip, especially for those guys. I know we've had some, a lot of people that listen in places that are a little more far flung. I know we we even have a guy listen. Yeah, they've to the,
1: got to like, learn to use what's available in the tropics locally. You know, they don't have to order CloneX you can use aloe vera it's so good. You know, we, I actually, the only thing I sprayed on my veg plants this year, my four outdoor plants was uh, a new aloe product. Somebody gave me to try called grow a low. And uh, it was to inhibit fungus and to uh, help with any mites or aphids. And the guy that brought me the four, mother plants that I put out May 11th, knee-high. They were old mothers that had been pruned all winter, and they were already little shrubs. So they grew Woo! in the,
3: beast, those are the best fucking. But, those are the best fucking ones, dude. They're so yeah. begging for the outside. Oh,
1: yeah. They just, they're just root-bound in three-gallon pots, and they need ah! to go into a three-foot-deep hole chock-full of wheelbarrow <laughs> loads of compost, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But the... Uh, but there were some spider mites I, I saw. I don't know if they came with them or if they came out of my cedars or whatever, but pretty soon they were not taking over the plants. But I was seeing a few mites on it, which I rarely see outdoors in Canada. I've seen More problem with spider mites on the tropics because they never freeze, right? So there's spider mites outdoors are a problem. But in Canada, I've never, ever in my life had a problem with spider mites outside. This year, I was like, I don't know if the plants came with them or not, but they they had some mites on them after the first bit. And after two sprays of aloe, they were gone.
3: You had problems with mites outdoors this year?
1: Yeah, in the oh, oh, Come oh, come on.
3: you you know dude I'm fucking living in the same goddamn province. So no, but you're sad. in
1: a very different region. You're a lot yep. moister and where where it's yep. moist and cool, the predator yep. bugs do better and where it's hot and dry, yep. the sap suckers do better because they they transpire quicker cuz they just suck liquid, they live off liquid. So if it's hot and dry, they transpire quicker and they reproduce quicker. And when it's yep. cool and wet, the predators hunt better and conserve energy so the cool wet weather favors the predators over the spider mites but hot dry weather favors the mites so i see it seasonally in the tropics but even up here this year i saw the mites outside and i've never ever seen mites outside but they probably i'm thinking they probably came on the plants but
3: do, do, do you have a pest management system for, for, for your place down in cal in uh, columbia
1: yeah we do a few things we have a garlic pepper spray that we make where well, we had one we were buying and then we started making uh, i haven't introduced the grow a low there but i think i will and i think oh, i'm going to try and plant the grow a low is made there's only two varieties of the 300 aloes apparently that have this antifungal property so i can't remember which uh what the chemical is i actually researched it and found it online because the company of course wasn't going to tell me but there was actually a study from India or somewhere where they talked about it. Uh, anyways, I haven't tried that down there, but there was... The other ones we were getting were more uh, microbial sprays. So
3: For the dirt?
1: For inhibiting um, fungal things. The fungal yes. things were the main condition, you know? So, there was, uh, we had mm-hmm. some septoria issues in the last year, which I chalked up to uh, CalMag deficiency in plants yeah. because the soil shit where we are. We, we, but okay. always the plan was to dig a hole and put our own soil in it, like have post hole yeah. diggers behind tractors digging yeah. the holes and, and making them so that they have X amount of liters for every x amount of weeks that they intend to be out there right so if they're mothers that you want to keep for four months they need more soil in a bigger hole than something that's going to be out there for six weeks so it's all based around how long they're going to be out there how much soil they get and the soil mix is quite complete but if if you give them a soil mix for three months but you leave the plants for six months they're trying to feed off soil that's like 5.2 or something and they're not looking good, you know? So you've got to make sure that you've got the amount of, you know, custom soil that you need for the length of time those plants will be out. Because once they start getting a spot, if a plant's very healthy, you know, and we had had this gardens there for almost three years and never seen it before. But we were always giving them a nice hole and taking them down. We weren't keeping mothers for a long time. And even in my SOPs, we were to replace the mothers every four months. But there was mothers that stayed out there because they looked nice and productive. And, you know, they look like hedgerows with lights on them and trained up in trellising. And you've got acres of these mothers. And you're like, well, they're still cranking clones, so they're still cutting them. They're like, why cut the mothers down? But but it's like the frog in the boiling water. You know, you start seeing a few problems, but it's not that bad at first. And then after a bit, wow, they are all showing this problem. So I'm like, how old are those? And how big is the hole? fuck are They've passed their expiry date, you know, but I said, let's just test if the problem is a cow mag deficiency, which gets locked out at low pH. And sure enough, you just give them a little treatment with some cow and boom, you could see immediately that that was the problem. And yep. that's why it's nice to have some elements on hand for R and D because, even if I like to run everything organic, I still like to do science side by side, you know. And even if it's not for something that's for consumption, it's just to identify a problem, you know.
3: So Steve, I'm st- I'm staring at the screen, okay, and all it says is Steve Dale, which is great because I know what you look like, so I don't <laughs> really need to look at you anymore, okay. But I'm watching at the like uh, all the questions coming down the right hand side the other side. But, but the reality is is what you've just said, is that you know it, we don't need to worry about that shit, you know. Uh, but people still need to, you know, and go and do a thing where, like, you know, hang on, second, you and I both came out of <laughs> a certain generation where we've grown the motherfucking load of weed. Uh, but at the same time they can't they oh no, it's not they can't they can't they can do anything they fucking would well like to but uh but i'm just looking at the questions on the right hand side sorry
0: so um so on the on the note of septoria septoria i had only seen once before and that was when it was directly next to a bunch of nightshades that also had septoria um, that i attributed to it to it coming in on but I had seen that heavily in Oklahoma in particular. You know, if you look at how they had so much flooding areas and all that, you know, you know it was sporulating everywhere in nature and uh, getting all over yeah, it. I,
1: and then what, I, what I've the noticed,
0: place. and the pattern that I've noticed was, you know, who got it and who didn't primarily was the, and it was, and we actually used a microbial treatment of a combination of Bactillus and Streptomyces. Uh, treatments uh one after another uh and and after two or three treatments that we were able to eliminate it It wasn't a big deal if we caught it early but 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 uh, if you
1: have a deficiency causing brown spots it's apt to get it you know
0: yep Um, i told them
1: i said we don't have a fungal problem we got a deficiency problem and the deficiency is inviting the fungal problem
0: Yep. and um so, so, uh, so that was, that was one thing, but we also saw it a lot in, in places that were corn or soybeans or wheat or stuff that, ha- that has, you know, super um, over fertilized and, and uh, has no biodiversity to those soil, these monocrop fields that have been the same thing for 30, 40, 50 years. Those were the guys that had the worst fusarium, the worst botrytis, the worst, you know, the worst septoria hands down, yeah, it was always those fields. You know, and I, you know, attribute at these part of that, to the fact that how is this plant supposed to know how to have any kind of immune system if it doesn't have any kind of microbial exposure in the root system? You know, if there's no, no micro microbial biodiversity, of course, it's not going to make any kind of terpenes because it doesn't know how to.
1: I have got these. <laughs> it's oh, a matter of regenerating there now that are real still all about the. All about it.
2: Yeah, like Steve was saying, the regenerating the soil. They hadn't done that yet.
1: And they know they're, they're helping convert. Yeah, that's the key. There, there's one farm, a lot of the fields, not the ones we're planting on now, the ones we're planting on now were just, they hadn't been grown on in 20, 30 years, or maybe they had cattle, but they had a huge amount of brush on it that took a long time to clean up. And we dug a 3 million liter reservoir in the middle for aquaponics. But the, you know, aquaponics in the sense that it'll feed the greenhouse that way, which are mostly in soil. But I'm going to try some burnt bamboo as a medium, too. I've see, I got some recently here in BC. Have any of you ever tried that? No. It, it's a medium that's supposed to be really good. So, Brenda gave it swear up and down so i said hey, we're going to what are we talking? sorry steve what are we talking about i missed that
2: burning bamboo i think and wouldn't that be similar to biochar in a way
3: yeah, yeah that would be that
1: char, that would it
2: be
3: looks similar good. to biochar but you can't you can't <laughs> burn bamboo like, down- bamboo's either going to go up in flames or it's not going to go up in
0: flames the, the downside is so like- the biochar type product it's char- is- it- the downside is, is that it breaks down very quickly. It'll stay solid for about six months, and then it'll start to just come apart as the microbes start to break it down and break the bonds apart. And then it gets it turns into basically like a loose paralite. And then um, if you have large plants, when, when especially if you grow it in more than four or five months, uh, you get these large plants and they have so much weight that previously was being supported by that uh, media it actually will start to suck the plants down into the media kind of like quicksand as the uh, um, uh, with the weight of it as the plant pushes down it kind of just swallows the, the stalk <laughs> we had well, that happen at, at the lab at Aquaponic Source
1: well I don't know how this stuff breaks down I look forward to seeing it. I'm going to try it mixed with some cocoa and I'm going to try it one on its own and then try some cocoa beside it mix in some castings and The usual suspects but we'll see uh we'll see how that goes Uh, the jury's still out
0: so uh, on the note of diseases have you seen any other stuff i know we had talked a little bit on the phone about some funky viruses that i had seen uh in a couple of places this year and there's some other you know funky diseases that we're seeing for the first time uh uh, you're kind of growing at a a pretty large scale on a bunch of different different things are you seeing anything new or or i
1: haven't seen anything new and and the closest thing being grown to us is pineapple that's five kilometers away maybe (laughs) so it's just cattle between between me and anybody growing anything really so it'll be interesting but i haven't i really haven't seen much in the way of viruses interesting
0: cool all right well um Uh, the only other thing i was going to say is uh all right actually i think you were
1: telling me some really interesting things about the viruses you've been finding and you should expound on that
0: yeah so i was sure so so uh, i was i've been visiting a whole bunch of different hemp uh, grows and stuff like that and in particular visiting a couple different grows uh, on, on multiple different trips up to Oregon. Um, and there was one in particular, this Anheuser-Busch field that we stopped and looked at and they had this weird leaf curl virus that, um, is being attributed according to the state of, of, uh, Oregon's, um, uh, cultivation department or agricultural department is, is from a, it's a leaf curl virus and soybeans <laughs> being transferred by leaf hoppers, which is, is how they figured all that out so quickly. I don't know, but, um, I guess they have viral markers that they they can check for pretty quickly with the DNA testing and stuff like that. But uh, I have some really good documented pictures. Anyone that went to the Aquaponics Association Conference uh, uh, panel um, saw, saw those pictures. I'll make sure I do a video on it. Uh, on my youtube channel soon but um you know looking at different you know insect vectors and then especially people that are growing directly next to monocrops and monocrops that maybe don't have ultra stable seeds that don't need to have ultra stable seeds as far as you know corn and something like that's going to be much more stable than say you know uh, soybeans or um
1: you know, so know soybeans I'm, are pretty stable.
0: Are they stable? What, what would be another one that maybe
1: would be a little less so? I don't know. Anything mass produced is pretty stable these days.
0: But, um, well, so I know some of them do have some viruses and stuff like that. In them,
1: <laughs> if you go in your
0: nightshade. Uh, a nightshade. Cackling <laughs>
1: about.
3: Because oh, you said, you're totally right. Like most things oh, these absolutely. days are completely Sorry,
0: fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- tobacco and nightshades, in particular, you can definitely find quite a few uh, 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 sh- streak viruses. I know that I-, I posted there was a really great article uh, a couple of weeks ago that we had talked about as well about um, a lettuce mosa- a lettuce chlorosis virus, and how that was being uh, detected uh, in some aquaponics facilities. Um, you know that were had had that in there and the fact that it can remain latent both through white fly populations and uh, potentially through aquaponic systems. So um, that, you know, if you're, if you're converting an aquaponic facility over from vegetables, it's something that you need to consider and maybe consider doing lactobacillic acid treatment uh, similar to how they do it in soil with the, the um, dark horse genetics protocols that uh, I know uh, Alan spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the show, um, you know, using lactobacillic acid either from uh, you know, Grokashi or, or through, you know, uh, Chris Trump's methodologies or through the methodologies that we've talked about in other ways with the probiotics, you know, all of those um, we, there, we don't know exactly which one actually is the one that helps with that. But we do know that generally that, that seems to reduce the viral uh, expression and that's documented um, through, you know, dark horse genetics research. And then furthermore through, through Kevin Jodry's stuff and uh, work. And then also uh, Alan's, uh, from uh, Gokashi's work. So uh, definitely check that stuff out if you're looking for more on that. But it's really kind of the only thing that I'm aware of, unless you know of something, and this is maybe a great question. I'd like to ask you, do you know of anything aside from that anybody could do if they happen to have a viroid uh, that was you know, in a, a precious seed line or something like that? Um, you know, Do they need to, to hand it over to a lab to do tissue sampling and have them try to clean it up? Or what, what would someone's options
1: be? That would be the only thing I could think of. Yeah, that seems like the go-to, the go-to suggestion for sure. And the, the one thing I wanted to ask you, Steve, was you were telling me today a bit about the hemp thing in the States and asking me what I thought about it. I said I didn't know too much about it. And you filled me in a bit about the people not being able to use their seeds in case they've drifted over 0.3 um, combined THC and THCA. And I was mentioning this to my wife, who came up with a good point. And she said, "Well, in in any other industry, when they change the regs on you, they give you time to use your existing stock.
3: There's a backstop. There's
1: right, a backstop
3: right. where you just go, like, well we used to do it like this.'
1: Well, and yeah, but you maybe you can't do it forever, but you get to use it up forever. what you have."
3: Yeah, no, but that—that's but that's like what we always used to do it like this until this moment in time, and that's the backstop.
0: So, so I, I've I've spent quite a bit of time researching this because I wanted to come and in informed and not misspeak. Uh, and um, there's a great article for people that want to be educated on this. Probably the best one that I've seen, hands down, uh, is the one on OregonCBDseeds.com. Check out their blog and uh, it's called New USDA Rules Propose Significant Changes in the Hep Industry. And I'll make sure I have the link in the description. Um, But um, basically, um, they want to do testing 15 days prior to completion of harvest, which is completely insane. They, They want to take the top two inches of flower cut from each planted sample which is not how the rule was written. If you look at the original um, USDA rules that were put out where that 0.3% comes from, which they sourced in the article um, from 1976, that 0.3% Delta nine is from dry weight of young vigorous leaves of relatively mature plants as a guide to uh, discriminating two classes of plants. That is the exact quote. It will, here it is. It will be noted that we arbitrarily adopt a concentration of 0.3% delta 9 dry weight basis in young, vigorous leaves of relatively mature plants as guided by discriminating the two classes of plants. That's not 0.3% flower off the top of the plant. No,
1: that's leaves. That's
0: totally different. Okay. And that's how it's written. Okay. So the other crazy thing about it is, and this is the one that I think is even more insane that I haven't heard anyone, a procedure for testing using post-decarboxylation, or other similarly reliable methodology, Delta9 tetrahydrocannabinol concentration levels for hemp produced. So that would mean including potentially CBN as well. So if your plant at all tested over 0.3 in the whole life of the plant, uh, it would be disqualified. And if you're over 0.5 percent, you could be prosecuted for
1: negligence. Too, it's That's Why would it, why would insane. you take the risk?
0: No, no one's going to grow it. Not when you're risking prosecution for hot. I've got, tw- I've got up to I've
3: got up to 27 to fucking percent, according to something some thinking people. Fuck them, fuck them, and fuck them. Doesn't matter, like Steve. Steve is one of the most amazing people in the entirety of the planet. And I've got to give him
1: the,
3: I've got to give him the fucking forelock tag. And I do, I give him the forelock tag because he is like, uh, he is so old school, so smart. So like the most, one of the most, he is one of my mentors in
1: my oh, life. Oh, God, man. I'm blushing, man. But you I'm are, blushing. You,
3: come on, come on. You are, Steve. Because yes, I, I came could. here from England. I came here from England, and I got to meet you the first time at the swimming pool at the Shaughnessy fucking place. And I, just <laughs> went, and I just went, what? I just went, what you can do with this? <laughs> and you and you told me when, yeah, we yeah, had you got the balls to do it. And I went, okay, fine, let's
0: so, go. So, so, so let me ask the sixty-five million billion dollar, billion-dollar question: Is this the U.S. government? trying to um enforce the purchase no of...
3: it's nothing to do with well, the us government at all
0: no it's no me no and hold Steve on.
3: having a fucking chat <laughs> okay no,
0: no 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 i mean i mean the the the, whole, <laughs> the the reason for these limits is this to enforce the quote unquote outrageous new strains that a lot of the uh, GMO companies are wanting to put out and say, hey, well, we can meet these stringent requirements and guarantee it and be the only ones who can. And you know what? If you don't buy from us, you're actually risking prosecution. Um, but a- you know
1: what's going to happen, that, man? I'll yeah. tell you honestly, this is the truth. And this is sad, but true. If we're dinosaurs and that we love the plants. But you know what? We don't get vitamin C for our kids. It doesn't come from plants. It comes from yeast or E. coli in tanks in China you can buy a ton of vitamin C on Alibaba for 1500 US. So when you can buy a ton of any cannabinoid GMO from China or here, it's going to be everywhere because you can raise these in tanks far cheaper than you can grow them and extract them from plants. So every one of these cannabinoids, a generation of people from now, forget it. If it's going to be medical or food it's all going to come and already i'm seeing this i've brokered some cannabinoids to a lab in the uk that the lab is one of i think six or seven that are licensed api providers of cbd so api is active pharmaceutical ingredient so if you're a big pharmaceutical company and you want to buy cbd to add to a formulation you have to get it from one of the licensed api providers so Sending stuff into these guys, it if it's 0.0, which most of the American stuff is, it doesn't necessarily pass there. It has to be 0.00. And even I've got stuff for them now that's 0.000. 0.00. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so it has to have no detectable amounts at that level. And the stuff they were getting wasn't even... 99.99 anything it was like 70 percent and it was yellow and i was like where are you getting this from And they said china there's no detectable THC in it because it's not raised in a plant with any phc it's raised in a tank out of either yeast or e coli and extracted from that and yeah there's no thc detectable in that stuff so hey if if your whole thing is Purity, they can raise a molecule in another organism. It's uh, frightening, but true. And if you look at Flintstone vitamins, that's where they come from. You know, so if people give this to their kids now, the fact that we think it should come from that plant is almost immaterial to the greater world. You know, to them, a molecule is a molecule. You know, we're dinosaurs.
3: Steve, you're a fucking hero, dude.
1: like <laughs> <laughs> no. you know, that
3: that's the same fucking opinion of fucking probably most of us. Hopefully. Hopefully.
0: No, don't, don't don't tell me that. I don't want to think
1: that. I know you don't want to think about it, but it's the sad truth. It's the it's elephant. It's the in fucking the room, sad man. truth. It's <laughs> the elephant in the room, dude. Well, oh, so so God. this
0: is so this is the part where I would challenge that, and I'll tell you why, is that um, well not challenge that necessarily in that you're wrong but say that it's maybe not as easy as they think it is because um, anyone that's actually sat down and played with vape carts and played with different uh, terpene ratios knows that uh, you can get all kinds of weird reactions when you start mixing and matching cannabinoid and terpene
1: ratios there's no terps in this this is a non-terp oh I know this
0: oh I know so i'm not talking about i'm not talking about for people oh, that are of, uh, <laughs> sorry sorry uh, i'm not i'm not talking about people that are interested in monomolecular pharmacology i'm talking about <laughs> a lot of the fact that the cannabis works is the fact that the the poly the the synthesis of all the different co- compounds working in unison together in Oh, particular.
1: dude i'm with you i'm with
0: you so so, no, so when they try to replicate that with these uh, individual sources when you mix them any when you mix them in a petri dish or you mix them uh, in, in glassware um, they emulsify they crystallize they they do all kinds of different things that are that are weird and kooky and yes you eventually can work it out and maybe I'm thinking it's more complicated than it is but I've certainly done a lot of work with you know about 60 different terpenes mixing and matching and I'll tell you what we did a whole lot of batches that screwed up
1: <laughs> you know, man, no, the terps are the that's what it's all about, man. I mean, THC is THC. You can have a 10% THC Afghan or a 10% THC Thai plant, they don't look, smell, or taste, or feel anything alike. You know, the THC is incidental to it almost. It's it's sort no, of no,
3: like... the, 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 the THC and the levels, I think, Steve. Are the ones that give us that that little like skippy happy high because we just smoked a fucking sativa.
1: Oh you know? man, the, the terps yeah. are what. Yeah. Legit, you know. Yeah, like I, I, so
3: I know I, I know it's terps, but I don't think it's terps that much. I think that the the dab brigade oh, are getting absolutely. into it way too fucking much. I'll tell Steve, you what. I'll tell you. what Go ahead. Steve, Steve, I tug my fucking forelock to you, dude. You do way more than I do, and I will listen to your opinion. No. So what? No, no Come on, dude. That's totally fucking true. So, so what? What? What have you been? And like, I'll tell you what. Blew finding me away, out this year, dude.
1: What blew me away this year, in consideration yeah. of terps versus cannabinoid potency. Was okay. I went around my favorite rows of plants at one point this year, and I go I I call it, it's not like dirty hand trim off my hands, I call it ghosting, where I ghost my hands over the most yeah. resinous plants that are my favorite, and I just touched like the bottom of the fans, but these are fans with resin. But I'm not squish squeezing the buds, I'm not getting pistols on my hands. Anything that's not resin gets picked off. I start with them really clean. I don't wear gloves. And uh, if I have any peeling skin on my hand, I wouldn't do it. If I've got a really clean hand at the time, then I will do it. And, I, and I've, I'm sure I'm not getting a pile of skin because I get an absolute thin glistening layer left when I'm done that's not raw skin, you know. So I, I love ghosting my hands over and getting that fresh charis off of that. And I'm telling you, the first day, absolutely psychedelic, but oily with Terps. And if I leave that same piece out, and I did this, I made a beautiful finger of it this year that was... The first day was psychedelic, man. And it was so strong. And, I'm and I, just, I made a little hash joint up with a, a few little heads in it, much less hash than I would normally put. But I put a little hash through this joint because I'm like, this is going to be strong. Because the bud was exceptionally strong that I was doing it from. The outdoor bud on the equator from strong strains, there's nothing yeah. like it. It just rings the bell. But so the- what was it? What was it? that was uh that was a couple ones i rubbed and they were a few out of the sin city section i had uh, about okay. 17 sin city varieties in this one block and the slimer cookies i really liked um it was one of the most resistant plants like the mites yeah. didn't like it i had mites on rows beside it and nothing on it yeah you know oh, so nice. there was diff- it was unbelievable actually no no no, no,
3: no. nice Nice. but it That's was so
1: actually good. the probably the strongest part of the lot too. Like it yeah. really I was really properly high from a couple of those selections, but they were fairly uniform plants. Like they didn't uh-huh. there wasn't a lot of variation in them. I was I really fa- impressed. I, I found out from
3: our, I found out from our plant that she likes to come up to you and go, like, just get together here, bitch. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> and and I, I, I have my favorites, you know. I've got my favorites of all, of all my plants, uh, but they're still like, like mind-blowingly way better than anybody else's fucking plants in history. And they can all go fuck themselves. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck
1: you. Fuck you. <laughs> well, yeah. give me a sec here, Rob. The the point was they come down uh, the first day, the turp rich Charis, absolutely yeah. ripping couldn't feel my legs from the knees down like i felt floating two feet off the ground just my feet were numb my face was melting i was like i haven't been this fucking high from a joint in a long time and i couldn't believe how strong it was but the next day i'd get up and roll one and i'd let it sit out all night i didn't even wrap it up and put it away i just left it on my desk the next morning i rolled one i was like Hey, it's still really strong, but I'm not nearly as high, and then I I put a piece of it away for a week, and then a friend was uh, down, and we went for a cruise, and <laughs> the road that I put him in, he had, <laughs> you know, he, it was the sum of the best we hash he'd for, ever smoked, but already We, we, we his, went like, for a cruise! Yeah, okay, excellent! Uh, <laughs> he had a nice ride in a bad part of town, let's say, but, but it was, uh he was blasted, of course, because it was some of the best hash he'd ever smoked, but I was like, yeah. fuck this isn't as good as it was a week ago and it, it, nah. the THC hasn't changed dramatically like the cannabinoid content ratio hasn't changed dramatically yet. no but the terps changing. are gone they're not gone but they're it's let's say 80 percent gone you know and the effect was that much less and it was truly with the amount of terps like i've found this so many times that if you have just straight distillate with no terps You get a buzz. There's no undeniably, but it's nothing like if you add terps to it, like a a solid dose. Like you can dab terps on their own. You know, come on, we're we're just trying to do real
3: weed. All my friends who are like back backing up in here, listening to you because you're a fucking superstar, and shut
1: the fuck up. Okay, but you are. But you are.
3: But you are but, but they, they you know they they're all lining in here and, and just going like we, we do this, we wanna do this, we wanna do this, we wanna they wanna make the best fucking weed on the face of the fucking planet. And they have to know that I know you, so it's that, that's quite good. So we'll we'll have it. <laughs> and uh, I think I think you'll see them come across. there's in lots everyone. of people
1: oh. doing cannabis as well yeah. as I've there's ever. There's lots done of
3: it. people doing cannabis.
1: <laughs> right now. It's almost embarrassing because there's so oh, many gosh. people doing it. I did it when it needed to be done because there wasn't Steve, a lot of people Steve doing Dale, it.
3: Steve Dale. is one of like he's my one of my personal <laughs> fucking tug my forelock. <laughs>
0: so back back in the day uh i know the first time i heard a breeder steve was was from overgrow.net we talked about this back in the day you were the first person to to talk about anything with aquaponic cannabis and uh i was working in a pet shop at the time and we had uh, uh a a a space to grow plants we'll leave it at that and uh, we, we tried to basically replicate some of the stuff that you were doing way, way back in the late 90s. This is like back in the 90s, yeah. Yeah. But you were the first person to post that. And it just happened to be because we were we already had lots of aquaponics, or it wasn't necessarily to do it aquaponics. We didn't even have a word ca- aquaponics. We called it river tanks. That's what we called yeah.
1: it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: because we didn't have you a know, word. That's for, so funny. Right?
1: It was the first thing I did when I moved to Vancouver. The first thing I did, because I'd wanted I'd uh, wanted to set up a little 430, Ag, you know, the San Agros. I had a 430-watt. Actually, I said, I want to get a little one-light closet set up. I had a one-bedroom apartment with my girlfriend. <laughs> <in Vancouver laughs> in and I went to... I a had friend knew a somebody with a growth car. store and, I, and he knew I, I came out with like five pounds of bud that I grew outdoors in Ontario and that was my personal stash. Yeah, it was good. It was light years better than any indoor. So it, it was people in BC, I would share a joint with them. I wouldn't tell them where it's from, but I'd say, here, check this bud out here. we roll one up and, and smoke a joint and they would be going, oh man, this BC Hydro must be knocking you out. You just moved here from Ontario. Oh, and then they as they smoked the joint, they'd get really quiet. And then, 10 minutes later they're like what fucking pot was that and I was like I brought that from Ontario I grew up behind a cornfield they're like that's outdoor they <laughs> couldn't believe it right because DC outdoor pretty much sucks so it was uh, a real shock to the system oh, for sorry. everybody when I brought that bud out here so I could get anybody just off their tree with it because indoor is just a shadow of good outdoor you know and, and uh, <laughs> exactly. the best outdoor anyway but the I thought But this one grow store, he he liked my idea about the aquaponics. It was a friend of a friend. And I said, he says, well, I want you to build me one of these aquaponics systems. (laughs) And I wanted one, of course. So I said, okay, I'll make you a deal. I'll build you one, but it's going to cost you two of them. You know, because I'm building one to take home as well. So I got to go into this growth store, (laughs) build them an aquaponics system, and then take all the pieces home with me to build mine. So I had my first one in the apartment there and then uh, set it up when I moved to that house where he was talking about in Shaughnessy, the compound, the, uh, I set up the first, <laughs> that was the first one I like took pictures of. And, and then I look back, I've actually found some of the pictures from then. And, I, and recently when I was moving in the last few weeks, I found a box that had pictures from my original aquaponics grow store. So it had pictures of the first aquarium well, the aquarium that was years in that growth store. And uh, so I'll find those and I'll share them with you.
0: Hell yeah, man. I'm working on a, I'll have my aquaponic cannabis book out here, hopefully Q1 next year or before 420 is the goal, but that man, that'd be great maybe to, to see if you'd be up for letting us throw one or two of those in the book. Then.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. No oh, total respect. I, I always meant to do a book on it and I wrote a huge chunk of it, but I never finished it. I'm really glad you're getting the message out there because it's really important, you know, that more people switch over from flushing newts down every Saturday morning to running an aquaponics system and just having better grass. Like, if if you do it right, it tastes great. If you don't, it tastes fishy. You know, the worst I've seen aquaponics done was people that overfed pellets and they had so many pellets floating in the water because they would only go there once a week and the bloody pot smelled like a bag of fish pellets which is not an attractive smell like it's like making pellet tea and feeding your plants pellet tea you know they they soak up what they're sitting in and they smell like what they're fed i had a friend show up at my who was actually a new friend at the time a friend of a friend and it was the first time we'd met and he showed up at my apartment when i was going to university in ottawa many moons ago and he had a backpack with a pound of weed to show me and he showed up in my apartment and before he opened his backpack i said do you grow with fish emulsion and the guy looked at me like he was just reaching in to pull the bags out and he hadn't pulled them out yet you know and he's like why the fuck did you say that and i said Because I know that smell. One of my friends always did that. And it smells funny in the weed. And he says, we bury a fish in every hole. And I just laughed. I was like, it shows, man. But we became really good friends after that. Because he just said, "No." everybody's just looked at my butt and went, wow. And he says, you're the first guy who didn't even look at it and said, did you use fish to grow this? (laughs) He was was just sideways, you know.
2: That's the old Indian way. I've I've mentioned that they bury the fish in every hole.
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely grows your robust plant. Or Native to like Indian. the smell of fishy weeds.
2: Sorry, I didn't want to be politically incorrect, so I had oh, to say Native American. No, no, no,
3: no. Roger, Roger, <laughs> Roger. Steve is like, uh, he's a master. Oh, I know. <laughs> <who Steve laughs> is. Master of the highest order. <laughs>
1: And there ain't no fucking Dude, I'm birth. just a stoner like the rest of you for sure. That's but it. You
2: were talking about. <laughs> your... we're, we're
1: all conscientious stoners. Let's say, you know,
2: no, we like we, we really we like love what love, we
1: do. We love the weed. We yeah, all we love, the love the what weed. we do, and and you know the plant's never gonna lose its appeal for people that yeah. have that aesthetic attachment to it. And it's more, you know, more than because runs deeper than that to like a spiritual attachment to it. You know, it's it's such an amazing species. And it's as much an earthling as humans. And it's uh, insane that there's some humans that think they have the right to make it extinct. They can eat my ass, you know? And they, what? I just can't believe it. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful flower and, it, and there's one for everybody. You know, there's so much so much variation within cannabis. It's, it's just beautiful. Boom,
3: um, Shiva. Amen. Amen. Bumbley. Come on, man. Amen. Fuck them. Fuck, em all. Well, Fuck them
1: all. Well, I got to say, to Robbie, viz- to, uh, <laughs> to Vision's credit, he is a long-term committed grower and a serious collector and aficionado of the plant. And he's a very kind and generous friend. And he'd offered me, he has like 400 lines of living plants saved that he said anytime i'm ready to start up in canada to come down and help myself so i mean with friends like that how can you lose right it's all, it's all the support we get that helps us along the way like every every plant i ever had somebody develop before me and somebody yeah, but, developed before uh, them and I don't we stand, know, on, what the we stand f- on the shoulders gonna do with with You know, when people say, oh, it's a new industry and we're going to develop these new varieties, and it's like, you know how many millennia farmers have been saving those seeds for you to get there? You know, it's like we have to be humbled. The the history of that plant is the history of humanity.
3: Just caring fucking human beings out there who sit there and just go like, so what you got? what you got oh do you want to smoke this weed excellent that's nice okay i'll smoke some of that fucking weed and i'll smoke some of that fucking weed that's an inch off the weed i'm smoking in the moment but it still doesn't matter that we cannot let them take away our shit okay like they're, they're trying to fucking legalize us and make us like Criminals at the same time and I cannot
1: This is a problem. <laughs> you know we, we are nothing but a herd to be milked and that is all and that is it. And we had the freedom to when it was totally illegal, it was so unregulated because it was illegal. Once it yeah. becomes regulated, you create joinder with the system or the shitsdom, if you will. So I mean but, but, I, I, but I, can't, I, I can't do it. it's It's painful it's painful i really i i've struggled with it myself and i tell you man uh, it's it's painful
0: to circle to circle back to so the usda is committed to issuing the final rulings expended expeditiously after reviewing public comments and obtaining additional information during the initial implementation the interim final rule will be in effect for two years then be replaced with uh, a final ruling so you know if they don't set this uh, with this these new cbd regs which is where we were we were starting off at with uh, when we started off in this direction you know that that's going to completely cripple the the current cbd market and force everyone into the either the gmo seeds or cbg no, and it's you're, seeing, gonna, you're
3: seeing it's gonna cripple the fucking weed market dude
0: well, well, so you, you already see, I mean, look at, look at places like we've had numerous people on from, from red States that are growing just CBD and getting two, $3,000 a pound all day long. And you have a lot of people that have invested, you know, taken out huge loans to, to scale up equipment for the next few years. Illusion that, that that's all a fucking the worst illusion you could ever well, invest. I know in. that, but oh, what I'm saying is, is that you have, you have, Thousands and thousands and thousands of. The level. Jesus. Okay, well, hold on a second. So, so we, we, you have thousands and thousands of farmers that have gone and invested in in huge amounts in order to to get this out there, and to get their um, you know, their seed stock, their equipment, all this other things, and and build out long term plans, and and now they don't have any access to stock or the seed that is available is going to be astronomically high or they're gonna to have to switch to cbg which now you're seeing the price of cbg seed quadruple or more you know in the last week you know or, or higher now uh if there's any available even you know good luck trying to find mm-hmm. some um because everyone immediately switched to that and and you're also seeing money you know get sucked right out of those markets in the united uh, in the united states and, and going right overseas you know you're seeing a lot more investment in europe and africa and south america because people are just sick of it in north america right now and, and they're sick of all the craziness and, and they're sick of putting in money and then having these regulatory stuff just totally you know screw with them i mean <laughs> yeah if you look at Oklahoma, they just now have a whole new licensing system for renewals for next year. Most people are not gonna be able to even keep their license. You know, a lot of these guys are totally zoned out of, of uh, where they're currently at. And these people have huge investments. You know what? That's not fair to them. You know? It's not, not fair
1: at all. <laughs> at the very least, like I said earlier, they should, I don't know that they'll get it, but they should at least lobby to use the stock they're holding because in any other business, if you're holding stock that you were licensed to use this year and you expected to be able to use it next year and they, they move the goalposts on you, they should say, okay, well, after you use up the seed you're holding, you've got to find tighter seeds, but you shouldn't be blocked from using inventory that you're holding already. That's just bad business. It all should industry.
2: be grandfathered in exactly like that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always mean it is. They have
1: to lobby hard for that because yeah. that's their livelihood and they're sitting on that stock. If you're sitting on stock that you were allowed to use this year, you should be allowed to use yeah. it next year and then replace it maybe. Unless you had five years worth, in which case you should be able to grow it for the next five years. Yeah, but yeah. Because you're holding that inventory when it was legal.
2: That's basically so, grandpa. Yeah, same as grandpa. So, so
0: this is so this is the other other part of this hemp bill that's really fucked up. And again, this was on the Oregon CBD seeds. Thanks, guys, for putting together such a wonderful uh, a paper. And we're actually going to have uh, a lawyer on Thursday. We're going to have um, Anne. Hold on a second. Make sure I get her name right. Uh, Ann Kelson will be joining us from. McAllister and Garfield Uh, uh, she's also counsel on the Kelson law group Uh, so um, she'll be she'll be joining us as well to talk to us about that and then we're hopefully hopefully going to have Dale Hunt on uh, either with her or on the the episode Um, but more than likely we're just going to have him on the the following Thursday um, as I'll be traveling uh, next Tuesday so um, uh, I'm excited to have that Actually, you know what? We might, might he might be even be on third t- Tuesday because I'll be back in time uh, to do the show on normal time. So, um, uh, but so here's the deal: so that all, um, cannabis under the new program would have to be tested via a D- DEA registered analytical laboratory. Okay, so you you think oh well that's not a huge deal, right? These guys could just get it. All existing labs would be uh, currently that are doing all state testing would be prohibited as though they've been operating in violation of federal law. So all of those would be banned. There would not be a single one that's a current laboratory that would be allowed to operate in under the new rules. So basically, they would put every single testing lab out of business that's been operating since day one. Legally,
2: we'll have no expert labs. They'll have all these new labs. They spring up probably, with the government back backing and stuff.
1: Let me yeah. get this straight. You guys all thought they were legalizing cannabis for our benefit.
2: I didn't. I
1: didn't. <laughs> I'm
0: <didn't. I> <laughs> spelling it yeah. out to let people understand it. You know? yeah, it's
1: painful these days. <laughs> it's never in the interest of the people. You know, it really isn't.
2: But Steve does make a point about having people understand where it's at and where it's going.
1: Absolutely. Right. No, absolutely. No, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not really picking on you. I'm just being facetious. Right? I doubt just... very
2: seriously, Steve, that you walk around with your face in your phone all day.
1: You know, so <laughs> so, so the so too too pilots.
0: <laughs> any, any states that have been operating under the pilot program would have to transition to the USDA rules by um, the 31st of October of next year. So, if you could pull off a crop before then and unload it before then, then you could somehow potentially grow that next
1: year. Oh, yeah. Well, most people can get off before October 31st.
0: But, you know, that it, you know when are they going to start enforcement of that 0.5 for prosecution? You know, that they could decide to do that early and, you know.
1: I don't know. It's all... Beyond my comprehension.
0: That's what's really messed up too. It's
2: not the fact that it's just gonna be denied and you lost it. They're gonna prosecute you for because somehow, you know, I it just you know, it's a plant, you know. Um, it's not a, like it's not like it's crazy. From
1: I can't believe we're still even having to talk about this. It's so sad, it's that they can't just ignore it for once. Just leave us alone. It's a fucking herb. <sighs>
2: Well, they've done the testing that they always lied about, you know, that was the whole thing. Well, that...
1: And not only that
0: too, it's awkward for consultants too. Right. So I've had multiple projects in Oklahoma that I was working with that I've had to back out of because the client wasn't taking, you know, uh, compliance seriously, you know, and, and you can't be involved with that. And, and, you know, especially when you have an ever evolving thing and their lawyer says one thing and you're saying another, and, this that and the other it's like look one of the two of us has done weed a long time you gotta you have to fight, abide by the law your federal protections only protect you if you abide by state law so you you can't you know you can't violate that or you're risking going to federal jail or
1: state jail you know, it's neither not one it. sounds attractive does it exactly so it just
0: it sucks a lot of times too even be working on the level that all of us work on you know, you end up working with some of the stuff, and then suddenly someone can't be compliant, and then you're you're out of a, a deal too. You know, so uh, yeah. because of zoning or whatever. So, and sometimes it's not even an intentional thing. You know, sometimes it's a, a, a you know some kind of other other problem. You know, it doesn't necessarily. No, that's
1: true. That's true. You no, know? no, it's it's there's a it's a minefield. You know, opening a cannabis business. Yep. And if, you know any businesses but but a cannabis business times 10 right it's
0: oh especially and then you got the 1080 yeah the 1080e uh tax stuff and all the other fun things that when you're operating in the united states that you have to account for and you know a lot of people don't know how to navigate that and structure their company right, so they end up paying you know astronomically high taxes and
1: well yeah the, the taxes the, is a whole other story you're not allowed to write off any expenses and stuff too right
0: Right, so it's, Honestly, we, we don't
3: care. I, I know Steve cares because Steve has got a fucking winery and he he cares about the expenses. He <laughs> has to. Fucking Shiva. Okay. But I'm 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 still one of the nice guys who just goes like, let's go and grow some nice fucking meat. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you have to <laughs> set up everything. But what have we got? With the management so like, company we, and the whole nine. Good
3: stuff in the last few years. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, so what, you're what, right, David. Vision. It does suck the light out of it, please. plan I know. The I know, it sucks the I know it's
3: a fucking light out of it. I can't let that happen. I've I've got. <laughs> I to don't make, blame you,
1: man. I don't I've blame you. Wouldn't be. Bet.
3: I've got to make better weed, and, and it, it's that fucking simple. I have to make better fucking weed.
1: It's a lifelong drive, brother. You can never make the the best. You always want to make better, right? And you make great weed now. Like like, really, there's nobody growing better weed division. He grows as good as anybody can. But.
0: yeah. so um so so you know a lot of people don't know about you have to structure it with the uh, you know separating everything and having your management companies and having everything split up in the right ways and structuring them all and and you know but some countries you know you can apply for things like b corp you know there are a handful of things you even b corp corporations yeah. that can save you tax money and things like that so it's just cool. if you don't know that and you haven't worked with anything or work with companies that are operating you don't know all this stuff and this is a lot of oh, people People don't even get a chance to grow their, their super amazing weed legally. They end up getting caught and you know sit and spin wheels because they don't get a chance to actually you know get through that. So wild, wild. But um, anyways, That's... I'm sure I'm sure you and I could sit here and complain about licensing for a long time. And
1: oh yes, I re- I swear the thing was I was spoiled because I saw it when it was when it was okay in Switzerland when they had it that it was just a non-issue and I thought when everywhere's like this life will go back to normal you know but they just can't let it go so they say yeah it's legal but you know here's your phone book of regulations and if you screw up that's it you're in just as much trouble as when it was illegal it's just (laughs) too much you know
2: here's your hot plate now jump up on it and let's see you dance
1: yeah that's it anyways it's yep, at some we'll... point. At some point, you know, we all have our point where we're going to say, "Fuck it, I got to learn to dance to their tune," you know. But <laughs> maybe, maybe not all the time, but at least enough to have something in that realm, you know.
0: Absolutely, and and so so I thought on that note, I'd ask you: so, how many types of cannabis do you know could pass this 03 percent decarboxylation limit?
1: But that, I have no idea. I've never uh, quantified those numbers. I no, know in Canada it's... that's the cutoff and they have an approved list but it doesn't cover everything that falls into that. And but it's, it's a just, pretty short list. And there's nothing really high. Like you don't get any 20% CBD up, You know, you maybe get 12 to 16 if you're lucky and most mm-hmm. people are probably working with six or seven in CBD with with approved Canadian hemp strains which have mm-hmm. to be under the first one that we started working with in CBD down south was um, cherry pie out of Colorado that is almost 11 percent a piece that was tested at the lab was 10.98 percent CBD and 0.1 THC No, sorry, 0.01 THC because we're allowed. No, I'm still now. It was 0.1. We're allowed 1% THC. It was 0.1. So even in Canada, that plant would pass because Canada's 0.3. But you have to get approved as a hemp breeder in Canada before you're allowed to produce hemp seeds here. And And that's not even a strictly governmental process. They have a Hemp Breeders Alliance or something like this. I forget what it's called, but they have a private um, group that is pretty much a cartel of hemp seed producers in Canada, and they're not really open to new members. And uh, so that was kind of a surprise, because I thought it would just be a licensing thing. But that's hemp, that's not cannabis. Cannabis, that's not an issue, but you still need a license. But the, uh, but from Columbia, as we've registered this selection, that's um, basically 11 CBD and 0.1 THC. That one will get out uh, into the wider world. But we've also got some other stuff that's 20 and up CBD, but it might be over one, it might be 2% THC. So it's a matter of crossing that with the 0.1 in getting something that stays under one but still stays over 20 you know and at the same time do the same thing with the cbdv which is just more of a niche you know whether we sell those genetics or just use them for production if the whole world's got cbd it's better to be one of the guys making cbdv presumably right so because it'll catch on with the cbd crowd like <laughs> You won't have to explain much, right? So there's a, there'll be a slight differentiation. It'll be the new CBD. And I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> I think many, it's not many, my main interest. My main interest is sensory. I really like the aromas and the smell, you know, the flavor. To me, that's the main interest. The fact that it's good medicine is a bonus, you know, but still I'll always breed with my nose. I'll still select chemovars for their potency and you know, I'll reluctantly do it if there are smells I don't like, but I'll, I will do it. But That's the job at this point, but really I'm there to breed for my nose and if I wasn't doing selections for aroma I wouldn't do it. I just want to show up to smell the roses for a few weeks and taste them. That's it, you know. I really like to find them, find the winners from high numbers of wide variety of stuff. I like to mix them up and follow them out a few paths and and guide them down different routes and have some fun with them that way. But really, it's always about smelling and tasting it, you know, and that is my greatest reward in working with cannabis. And it'll always be that way. Like if I, if I could just do it as a hobby breeder and I didn't need a job and a license to do it all, the problem is once you need a license, now you need, you know, employees and experts and lawyers. And, you know, it just becomes a corporation faster than it needs to be. If you just want to breed cannabis, like if I just wanted to have a breeding station and different altitudes and latitudes all over the world and, you could do it as a hobby i might never make it a company i would do it for the joy of it you know but the fact is the only way you can do that these days is with licenses and to have licenses you have to have the company and to have to have the company you've got to have you know a lot more than we're used to for doing this to grow a field of weed to me means great i'm going to hire two guys for the summer (laughs) we're going to go to work you know and And now it's like, no, I need six lawyers and four accountants and three fundraisers and two marketing people. And it's just, you know, the reporting and all that and applying for every move you make, it's just like, you're really challenging me to want to keep doing this on an official level because the official level is, you know, inefficient. And that's the real, that's what's, painful about it is because you know in a given lifetime you can do x amount of generations and anytime you're sitting on the sidelines for want of a signature or a stamp it's just like do i swallow the pistol or point it at them you know i don't know i'm just so sick of it sometimes so (laughs) <laughs> you tell me i don't know what the right way to go is and sometimes i think you know it'd be fun just to go somewhere you're not supposed to do it and do it without anybody knowing again <laughs> that was so easy you know that <laughs> was so buddy. easy my, you know?
0: my buddy had a, a private little um, place in panama it was an old like a um, hotel or something he inherited it and he was just like let's just set it up as like a a private weed thing and it was super tempting but it was just like
1: no yeah if you're not connected in panama it'd be a real shitty prison to spend time in that's for sure yeah that too you know but you know I, i had the funniest story of somebody that went for the foreign money like that he went to he was a dutch guy that he was a refugee in canada from a hash trial where they sunk a boat coming back from morocco with like 40 tons of hash on it or something and he was working in a grocery store in Vancouver. He was just crazy as the day is long in the summer. And uh, he was funny as shit. But he ended up going to Japan and you know, some Japanese people that came to Vancouver were like, oh, it's like $100 a gram in Japan. You should come and grow. So he went back with them. And they went out to some little town in the country and he got the house in the country. And I think he plugged in like 8,000 watts or something. And it blew the whole town's electricity. <laughs> so they found him in like six hours after he fucked <laughs> lights. And they, he was so crazy. They said, We don't even want to keep you. Just go back to Canada. And they just sent him back. <laughs> but you got to, he was another for sure.
0: <clears throat> so, do you have any advice for people that are, uh, you know, looking at some of the international stuff that's available. There's lots of different projects all over the place. I know. It's I'm working hard to in keep Africa. up with. You
1: were that's... mentioning all the possibilities in Africa right now. And that alone is more than you can shake a stick at, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, wherever you feel like you want to spend your time is where you should do it. And no, no, no. G- grow some fucking land race then. Go
3: to wherever yeah, whatever you want. But go I
1: mean if you want to do it in Thailand, you can yeah, do yeah. It in no, Thailand. No, but and, it's hard. Right now like, in Thailand I have one friend. You want to go to
3: find the fucking weed you want to find, bring it back out, and then start to breed with it and do us all a favor.
0: Well, Thank you. Dave. I'm looking, I'm literally look looking into it at, 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 like you're saying with the land race, you know, growing Durban and Durban with some of the Western growth me- methodologies, but with the terroir, uh exactly, you know, from, yeah. the, from the native Torar, and, and releasing really sure. you know, what the genetics I'm are gonna, capable that's of. What it it
1: that's what it is. That's what people kept to don't to understand. All it's we need
3: like... is that thing kept
1: so like, Go ahead, Steve. If people want local hydro, that's up to them, but they should be choice. You know, you got to think of it like the world of wine. If you said you can only drink California wine, but you can't buy French or Australian, you'd be pissed. You know, you'd say, what the fuck is that? I can't buy French wine, you know? It's up to you. You should be, we're earthlings. The countries are legal fictions that are just bloody tax farms and milk us as the herds we are. And that's what we are to them. And, the, the fact is, cannabis is a global thing. It's from Siberia to the equator, right? Like it's, it's amazing. You know, it really belongs on the planet as much as we do, and and it should thrive, and we should interact, and there's a lot to be gained, and it's a joy. God bless it. You know, not that I believe in God, but just a turn of phrase. <laughs>
2: But Steve, Steve you were talking about you were just trying to talk about about doing the indigenous kind of like, oh, yeah. like terror but using your modern different methods than they've ever seen over there
0: right because well yeah it. and just accelerating that too I know like we I was looking at <laughs> I was looking at, we we're working on, on project, working on a project I working on a project right now in Zimbabwe and just they they can still use paraquat on some stuff in their country and like some other stuff that's been been in the united states at least for general stuff uh you know for quite a while and having to worry about that because you don't know if you're working on a project unless you do soil samples if they had been spraying who the hell knows what that could be latent in that soil and hemp and hemp and cannabis is such a good bioaccumulator you know before you even think about a project any of these third world countries oh, not yeah. third world but foreign countries you have to yeah. make sure you're doing really detailed soil sampling and sending it out of, out of country um canada actually has wonderful sampling labs um and uh that can do it and then um, the other labs i would recommend stateside would be mmi labs and then uh, jr peters both uh, are great uh, in the united states um, for people that are interested but um you know, making sure you do all that stuff before you take on an agreement and or have some kind of stipulation where if it doesn't pass those, it, you know, right. it doesn't go forward. That's again. a great
1: point, Stephen. The other thing is even heavy metals that are totally innocuous that aren't pollutants; they're just regional. You know, I've seen a, that disqualify stuff. You know, in Australia,
0: it, I've I've actually seen on on three separate occasions people and with aquaponic systems in Australia with well water that had uranium. Uh, or radia or radium wa- radon, radon
1: water. is uh, off gas from the uranium yeah it's common in the okanagan valley too in bc actually radon. Yeah, in yeah
0: pennsylvania i grew up in philadelphia and radon is really common and they have to have uh, air pumps in all the basements for that reason
1: i've seen places out here in the interior of bc but also a, a first farm in columbia where it's uh downstream from where there's lots of copper deposits. And so they have abnormally high copper levels, but it's not in the toxic range. So it's not a problem, but they're abnormally high copper levels.
2: I think it goes to say that whether you're, if you're by a river or any kind of lake or kind of watery region, you always, or anywhere else, you really need to do soil samples. Boy, oh, put a big grow in, or start a big grow oh, up. You, you know what?
1: Rainwater is yeah. fucking toxic. You know, like I remember in the seventies yeah. or something, doing projects on acid rain. Like <laughs> it's not a new phenomenon. The water that falls from the sky isn't clean. Like that's the world we live in. You know, on some level, <laughs> they got to back off. You know,
2: Well, no doubt about that.
1: Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Alrighty. Well, uh, I think on that note, we've had quite quite the episode. I don't want to hold everybody the whole night. I think we'll, we'll wrap things up. Um, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and tell us all about what you've been up to talk about the international market. We really haven't had a lot of people that can come on and talk with it from experience, especially on the scale that, that you do, you know, you really, uh, are, are doing one of the largest grows on the planet. So, um, it's really cool to have you it's on it's gonna and be
1: really interesting next year and i i look forward to i invite all of you to come and visit any of my projects and and uh, join me on the trip sometime it's a fucking hoot we'll have a good time
2: <laughs> yeah i'll try to take you up on that one day
1: that'd be beautiful yeah, yeah
2: man it would I'd, thank you for inviting all of us
1: Yeah, we got uh, two new places we're getting started in, one in the south of Spain and one in the south of Portugal that are quite close to each other, like hours apart by car. And uh, it's really a question of almost playing one off against the other as we go through the licensing process and just see which is the most restrictive. And so far, Portugal's the most welcoming. So if anybody's looking for somewhere to go, I would say... From my experience this year, one of the most promising places is rural Portugal because they have, uh, you know, plenty of EU incentives even for R&D projects and creating local industry because they're the poorest parts of their countries. You know, so you go to the landlocked rural places in Spain and Portugal, and the municipalities will. They will put somebody on your file to help you work through the application because they want the business there. So you've got to take advantage of them when you can because they take advantage of you more than you ever will of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh. All right. Well, um, um, thanks a lot again for joining us. Um, how do people find you and uh, learn more about the you know the projects you're working on?
1: I haven't been doing much to keep updated on online, uh, but I've got uh, the breeder Steve Instagram at O Cannabis Inc at Medcan Coal, Medcamp Peru or as it Medcampamp team. Those are probably on Twitter and Instagram, and I put up a website, BreederSteve.com, but I don't think I've looked at it in a since I put it up, so I should probably get on there and update it somewhat. <laughs> uh, sorry to say.
2: Yeah, it helps if that's a, that's the whole point of putting up a
1: website, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, know that is. You know what? I got that domain because somebody contacted me and says, "You don't own this domain. You're stupid. You've got to get that domain." And I was like, "Okay." So I got the domain, and then you get the domain, and it gives you the website builder for ten bucks or whatever. And oh yeah. You're like okay, well I'll just upload six pictures and make it a placeholder for now and come back to it. Never did, but I think I will do that. I've actually. Uh, now that I've crossed winemaking off my list this fall, I made my last vintage this fall, and you it's not done fermenting, but I'm not looking after it anymore.
3: What do you mean you crossed it off the fucking list?
1: I sold the winery last week, man.
3: I, I know, dude, but dude, like, <laughs> I was waiting for your last year's outdoor, like, <laughs> like personal fucking taste of <laughs> it. Yeah.
1: Well, when you come up, you can try some. Okay, Don't worry, I, they still let me go there too. Don't worry. I'm
3: coming out to fucking get that shit.
1: Okay. Yeah, man. Well, We've uh, got some ho- wine to drink.
0: Hopefully, I can cross uh. paths with you before I take off for Africa in the next few few weeks. So. If yeah, not-
1: man, uh, and I really uh, envy your trip to Africa, and I wish you really the best. That's going to be awesome, and there's so much amazing genetics to sift through over there. Well, so yeah, and you're the man to do it, man. You'll be fine. You'll have a great time, and you'll do good work. I have no doubt.
0: I gotta. already have a. Uh, we're gonna be doing our own little version of Strain Hunters, basically. Uh, when we get over I'm there, <laughs> the so, a
1: slightly more intelligent one, no doubt. Really. Oh yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I don't know. I, yeah. Anyway, so I'm not not. Uh, anyways, as long so, as you
1: keep me out of it, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, the uh, and Robbie. Uh,
3: <laughs> no, 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 sorry steve i'm going to be taking you there getting actually drunk as a fucking skunk stoned out of your gourd and going like what the fuck's happening now i yeah, got, I don't know we're apparently we're about to find a new strain <laughs> so,
0: yeah it'll be fun
3: that, that that's that's my that's my mission tonight okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll uh so we'll um we're gonna end up doing a, a trip. We actually have some stuff loosely lined up already for when, we're, when I get boots on the ground. We have a, a couple of different people that have been working. Actually, you know who it is that grows most of the cannabis in Africa? It's not the men. It's the women. The women are the biggest growers and the longest growers. They're the ones that actually, you know, pay the bills and and run the household and get shit done. So um we're actually uh, two different women that are actually going to be taking me on some trips to visit a couple of different areas where they've been traditionally <coughs> Bom Shiva. that's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> one one trip in malawi and then one one trip up in uh, zimbabwe but zimbabwe to start off with until malawi gets a little more chill but yeah, you um but yeah so that'll event. be That'll be fun, and then um, and that's gonna be happening here in in December or January, probably second half of December. Um, well, if they
1: don't arrest you, I'll come for a visit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's fine, you know the the with the dreads and all. And all just yeah, coming. if
1: dreadlocks can pull it off, I'm coming. That's it, you know. Right.
0: Well, you know, it's funny in Jamaica, I didn't get harassed anywhere near as much as some of the other people I was with that looked all clean cut and you know, because
1: oh, yeah. well, they didn't think you had any money that's way.
0: Exactly. <laughs> 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 oh, so
1: that's always fun. Yeah, uh, fuck. I tell you, man, that's all. It's always a trip. Going back to somewhere nowadays, when you're used to like, okay, now at least for the last year in Canada, you can stand on the sidewalk smoking a joint, and you're no longer a criminal. Right. No, so even if it's not perfect, that's right. You know, okay. yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's a step in the right direction, right? So when yeah. I go to other places, like earlier this year, I was in England for a week and then in Spain. And I was smoking on restaurant patios, smoking big gaggers, And people around me looking at me like, this isn't Amsterdam, you know? And I'm like, I don't care. No, 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 but this. they're English.
3: They're English. Yes, and they're but like, they wanted some, but they're right. like,
1: you know, this isn't Amsterdam, right? I've never I sat know. on a patio in a restaurant in England and smoked a joint. and They would, they would so pass so, it with as me. Long as, can, as long as they can tell you the law. They're quite happy with just
3: telling you the
1: law and then the rest of it, yeah. they just go
3: like, whatever. Yeah, then they're
1: like, pass it over, you know? But everybody was astounded that I had the temerity to light like pot in public there. Fuck and you.
3: Just, to like, fuck you. You should be able to smoke the shit out of whatever you think
1: Oh, about. we had a great time, though. And it was it was really fun because the friend that gave me the pot is, showed up from another part of England, but he was an old spice grower and they used to come and visit me in Switzerland and get seeds and cuttings and whatnot. <laughs> So he had all kinds of great stuff. And really, it was probably, I probably had the best stash in England for the week I was there. And it was a hoot. But still, I actually ran into more good in England this time than I saw. I saw some other people. Usually, the stuff I've seen in the UK has been really sad. And this trip, I was genuinely surprised that I had, you know, a number of random people I met even at a pot show had respectable bud that... Tasted good and smoke burned clean. I oh, know, but I, I, wow, I think I'd be
3: gifting I think the guys to bring me the garbage from the fucking dispensaries, and it's fucking garbage. It
1: yeah. literally
3: is just. Absolutely oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure what most
1: people have is garbage. I was just lucky yep. enough to get some good stuff, but I was repeatedly lucky this trip and really had some tasty things as well as some amazing Persian opium and some. Great uh hash made for the I like I like, I like the I like the Persian opium as well. Oh man, that was it was that was a treat. I hadn't had any in a long time. It left me a little gibbled because it was in the afternoon and I had an event <laughs> that night and I I had a hard time finding it.
2: I lived in right. I lived in Turkey as a child and we used to ride from the town to the Air Force Base through the poppy fields, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the same It's a sacred plant. They're all useful. Yeah. They just Another have the potential one. for abuse, but that them. doesn't mean you can't use them. You know, alcohol has a potential for abuse and tons of things do, but we still, the most people can handle them, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. Most people don't realize uh, it was though. It grew everywhere, you know?
1: oh that's right and that's the thing it's one of the easiest things to grow it has no pests you don't get mites you don't get mold you don't get anything you know just and it's done in the middle of the summer and nobody's looking for it so if people are torn on growing grass anymore grow, grow some puppies <laughs> uh,
0: all right uh, so uh, what about you roger how do people find you Hey, well,
2: I'm at Marijuana.com and you can catch me occasionally on Facebook or Instagram if, uh, if you find Roger Latewood, and uh, um, that's about it right now. We got to working a little bit on getting our, uh, well, here I'm another one guilty, but it's a small operation. We're getting our greenhouse hemp farm going. Uh, we're working on a greenhouse this Friday to start up, back up with some help again, and so I'm really excited about that, and and I'm getting a rooster tomorrow, I think. So that's about it for me. You know, uh, we we got our, we're, we're having some uh, se- semi-freezing to freezing nights this week. For the last year, we only had three all year uh, freeze, actual freezing nights. And we're going to have five out of six nights in the low thirties this week. So I all of a sudden kind of farted around and didn't do much and now got a worry about all my trees and banana plants and stuff like that. I got out there and cloth pots and, you know, kind of make a little shelter for them for the winter. And for, uh, Where
1: are you with banana plants?
2: Well, I'm in South Carolina and I just wanted some. So I got oh, some. Oh, cool, cool. I found a cool place. I, they, they sold me a, like a Myers lemon plant, a key lime plant, and a, a blood orange. I bought a blood orange. You got Right
1: on. Those are all awesome.
2: Yeah, right. See, I like to cook too, but I like to eat crazy stuff like that, you know. But uh, and then I then I looked around and they had a, I got a a passion fruit, um, and I got um, I got two dwarf banana plants. Of course, I didn't know it at the time, but I really quickly learned about it and I read about it and I talked to Steve about it and the fact that uh you could, you know you they grow pups. And you just take them out of the pot and uh, correctly dissect the pup from the from the mother plant, so to speak, and put it in a pot, and you got another banana plant.
0: You can square cut the stems. I'm sure Steve's seen this. You can square cut the stems, and they'll pop from the trunks.
1: Well, oh, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to them. The thing I've, besides eating bananas and shooting them for target practice, <laughs> I like the the leaves. <laughs> Well, they're really the good leaves.
2: for you. I,
1: yeah, okay. You know what? the leaves? When I was in, uh, I was like 18, I, I took a winter and went to Central America. And in Belize, I was on the beach with some rastas for a few weeks. And, and they would uh, always, because you couldn't get rolling papers. And so they would, you, your choices were hollowing out a cigarette and smoke shitty white paper or rolling them in almond leaves or, or banana leaves. And you find the bananas shed the leaves, and then at the bottom you see brown leaves, and underneath them they're gray, and the gray ones are a little too brittle and they'll break. You gotta you, you end up finding the right tan color that works every time, and they're like a blunt wrap, and because you've got those fibrous strings on them, you rip off a couple of those and you roll up a nice cigarette. The three yeah, you see what on. you're you're looking for it almost sad. to
2: be perfectly like almost it's curing on the stem or so to speak, kind of.
1: Honestly, um, after a month of smoking out of banana leaves and almond leaves, papers tasted harsh. I got used to it. I got used to smoking of banana leaves and almond leaves.
2: Now you're going to drive me crazy with you know trying to figure that out about with my little banana plant.
1: You're going to have to roll some with your yeah. leaves. I'm telling you.
2: Well, you'll cut them le-
1: up, cut them uh, up the shape you want.
2: You... I didn't want to go here, too, but allegedly, th- this is some Congo right here. And it's funny, we had this uh, surprise guest tonight. And this is some of your Congo here, buddy, from one of our good earth friends.
1: I think he's talking to you, Vision.
3: Yeah, I know. Whatever.
1: <laughs> How many bottles of wine have you had tonight, Vision?
3: It doesn't matter. Like I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm happy with Steve. Steve's a fucking wine owner. You know, <laughs> wine, so fucking mad weed. You know, like what the fuck just happened just then? Uh,
0: so what I about know, you, I Vision? I wish
1: uh... you were here, man. I
3: know, I man. But we're we we're, we're both exactly the same fucking people. Because I just sit there and I was, I would just be sitting at the side, just going like, what are we doing now? Like,
1: well, it's the first time I've seen you with a beard, though. I can see that.
3: Oh, no, no, but um, I carve it off every little once in a while. So, like, uh, then, then apparently the girl, all the girls thinks I look sexy. So, like, like, hey, you look sexy now, like, like, or whatever.
1: Are you still seeing that one that told you to pull her hair?
3: i'm still saying
2: that one we'll we'll save that for the after
0: show
3: (laughs) (laughs) i've hung out at steve's place steve's place is like probably the best fucking weed place on the face of the planet it's, uh, oh, come on. On. There's, like, there's an enormous amount of wine which is fucking great really
2: there was wine, at least which
0: All right. is fucking
2: so, great how do,
0: how, do I, how, do, how do people find out more about you Vision if they want to follow you or...
3: I don't want them to follow me I don't yeah, he want hides
0: them out. to follow me I <laughs> don't I don't care it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> I um, he's you guys always can, said that too he's he's
2: a uh, consistent he's always said i don't want people to fucking find me
0: <laughs> no, so, uh, i really I, don't. um <laughs> sorry. sorry so no you're fine um you guys can find me at podcast okay. youtube soundcloud itunes uh on any of your favorite podcast apps Um trying to play a little catch up on some of the other stuff i'm gonna work on um, at some point in the next few weeks, getting the blog back up and running and, and trying to get that, that all up and going and maybe even overhaul the website again. Um, uh, I found a, a easier tool to do that. So, uh, playing a little bit of catch up, have a little more free time than I have had a little more than a while and, uh, a little, little more and a little less in some ways. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So if you guys are interested, uh, we'll be back on Thursday, um, and we'll be talking about different uh, lawyer issues a uh, big breakdown on on california and a bunch of other uh stuff going on we'll um you know and then on tuesday or, or thursday of next week hoping to have uh, dale hunt on to break down the usda stuff and then uh hoping to have uh, harvey smith on soon from mbk universities he's always a great educator so we will uh talk to you guys uh soon and uh thanks everybody for watching thanks again steve for taking the time to join us and educate us
1: Well, thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Look forward to seeing you again soon.
0: Awesome info, man. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Great, man. You have a great night.
0: You too. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you guys on Thursday.